Teachings that do not speak of pain have no meaning, because humankind cannot gain anything without first giving something in return. In alchemy, to obtain something, something of equal value must be lost. This is Equivalent Exchange. Welcome to Equivalent Exchange, a podcast about Fulmal Alchemist by Hiromu Aokawa. I'm Kayla. And I'm Ellen. And I'm Kazum. What? What? Wait, who's this guy? Yeah, who are you? I don't know. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm Kazem. I am a big fan of Fullmetal Alchemist and a friend of yours truly, Kayla and Nolan. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So we have a new host joining us for, I guess, the rest of the series, or at least as long as you want to, yeah, the I rest mean, of the series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like you're trapped now. Yeah, you definitely can't escape. So yeah, be excited. <laughs> yeah, you should be. Well, I am. Wait, yeah. Kazem, tell us about your... We talked about how much we had like read and seen of the series and stuff. So oh, so I I started with the original anime, not Brotherhood, mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed it. And then I actually was hesitant to start Brotherhood, hmm. and I didn't start it until it was I think just finishing. But I loved it, and I've watched that probably like four or five times. Nice. But I'm not much of a manga reader. Well, I'm not much of a fiction reader in general, just because mm -hmm. when I read, everyone sounds like me. And it's a little <laughs> annoying. Um, and so, yeah, I don't read very much fiction, but reading the manga has been very enjoyable so far. And I think I've gotten yes. a bit better about my inner voice. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that develops. But yeah. Nice. Well, good news. Now they're all going to sound like me. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing about this podcast is every character sounds like Kayla. So, <laughs> I guess just as a refresh, like, Kayla's read this multiple times, and I've read part of it, but not for a long time. So basically, it's like new to me. So when we talk about this, we are doing no spoiler discussions. We only talk about what we've just read, or like what we've read so far. Yep. So don't spoil the audience either. I mean, <laughs> well, I'll see if I can do that. <laughs> it's okay. I'll edit you out. Don't worry. I mean, <laughs> yeah. rude. I'll be over. <laughs> I'll be over in the corner making like throat slashing gestures. Be like, yeah. not yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, Kayla is keeping track of things for later, though. So mm -hmm. for when things were spoiled or when things came up that we didn't talk about that become a thing mm -hmm. later, yep. we could talk about it later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Today we're going to be uh, going over chapters five through seven. Woo. It's a big episode. <laughs> <laughs> Are you just saying that because it took you a long time to summarize it? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> right. uh, so yeah, we'll be doing the uh, same thing we've been doing, uh, do a recap of the chapters and then go into our discussion. Sounds good. I'm All ready. right. Chapter five opens not on a train, but on a train station. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're in the train station right after the aftermath of last chapter with all the hijackers escape attempt. One of Colonel Roy Mustang's men, 2nd Lieutenant Havoc, is explaining to some odd military guards how Mustang's flame alchemy works. His gloves are made out of a reactive cloth that sparks when rubbed together, and the rest is adjusting oxygen levels in the air. The other soldier says he understands the logic, but not how it actually works. Alchemists are people who can do these things, Havoc says. He also points out that the little guy standing next to the colonel is a state alchemist too, and the soldiers are even more shocked. So he's the one who captured all those hijackers? Can you believe that? I don't know. He can't be human. Everybody knows short people aren't human. Yes. <laughs> You've got no reason to live. <laughs> Back at headquarters, Ed and Al are meeting with Roy Mustang in his office. Ed, with a devious grin, points out that Roy owes him for dealing with the train hijacking, and Roy asks what they want with a sigh. 
Ed says they need to learn more about bioalchemy, like right now, and ask where <laughs> who he can go, where who he can go to around here for more information. Roy chides him for his impatience, but eventually pulls a file from the shelf on an expert Chimera researcher who lives in town, Show Tucker, the Sewing Life Alchemist. He explains that Tucker got his state alchemist certification two years ago when he created a Chimera that could speak, which shocks Ed. You mean it talked like a human, a Chimera? Roy adds that he wasn't in charge at the time, so he never actually saw it, but it apparently understood human speech and could speak itself. But it only ever said one thing, I want to die. Did a chill run down anyone? Yeah. When they read that, I was like, I need to stop yeah. reading this. Especially with that like shadowy image of the it's so Chimera. It's creepy. With its eyes all wide. Mm -hmm. After that, it refused to eat and died not long after. And now look a little taken aback, but they decide it's worth meeting this guy. Roy takes him to Tucker's house, which is very large, to make the introductions. He rings the doorbell, and Ed is immediately pounced on by an enormous white dog, which then lays on him, wagging its tail happily. <laughs> Alexander, you stop that, calls the little girl's voice. Show Tucker stands in the now open door with his young daughter, who excitedly points out all the guests they have. Nina, I told you to keep the dog tied up, he scolds. Inside, Tucker's house is a mess. Stacks of books and boxes and materials all strung over with cobwebs. He apologizes to his guests, saying it's been that way since his wife left him, and then sits down and greets them pleasantly and introduces himself. Roy explains that Ed is interested in biological alchemy and was hoping Tucker might show him his research. Tucker says he doesn't mind, but he wants to get some answers from Ed before he gives up his own. Alchemy is about equivalent exchange, he says. So, why are you interested in biological transmutation? Roy starts to come up with an excuse, but Ed cuts him off. Mr. Tucker has the right to an answer, he says, and removes his coat with a grim expression to reveal his automobile arm. Tucker reacts with sympathy after hearing the boy's tale, and then agrees to keep the illegal human transmutation attempt secret when Roy asks. Roy has apparently been telling his superiors that Ed lost his limbs during the Civil War in the East. Tucker takes him through his lab, full of strange-looking chimera in cages and other less lively specimens preserved in jars. He mentions that even though he's the expert, it's never easy work. Lots of failures, lots of false starts. After that, he shows them to his own expansive research library and tells them they're free to look around, and Ed now eagerly get to work. Roy tells him he has to get back, and he'll send someone to get them before dark, but Ed is already fully engrossed in reading. Tucker remarks on his incredible focus, and Roy agrees that he's obviously something special to be able to become a state alchemist so young. With a thoughtful frown, Tucker says, I guess geniuses really do exist. It's worrying. Mm -hmm. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> he does have some uh, ominous lighting. I think it's the glasses. Yeah. I'm saying that because I'm a person who wears glasses. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I always notice that you're about to do something evil when just I can't see your eyes behind them anymore. Yep. Yeah. That's the light in the room just suddenly changes and <laughs> flex off your glasses. <laughs> Time passes and the gogging of a grandfather clock startles Ed out of his research and makes him realize how late it's become. He gets up to look for Al, but the sudden arrival of Alexander the dog onto the scene reveals that Al has taken a break to play with Nina. Oh, hey, big brother, he says, carrying Nina in on his big armor shoulders. You're supposed to be looking through the data, not babysitting, Ed gripes, but it doesn't take much to draw him into the fun as well, declaring that he's going to fight Alexander with all his body and soul, much to <laughs> Nina's delight. <laughs> Later, Havoc comes to pick them up. Tucker offers to let them come again tomorrow when they admit to not finding much in the research yet, and Nina is excited to hear that her playmates will be coming back. Havoc pauses by Tucker on the way out, saying he has a message for him from the colonel. Please don't forget that the assessment date is coming up. Tucker looks troubled. Yes, I know. When everyone leaves, Nina asks her father what an assessment is. He smiles and kneels down and explains to her that state alchemists have to present the results of their research once a year, and if they don't like what they see, the license can be taken away. Apparently, Tucker didn't do well last year, so he has to present something really great this year to keep being a state alchemist. You'll do great, Daddy. You're always studying a lot, Nina says. I know, sweetie, but if they don't like me, there's nothing else I can do. He hugs her close, and a dark look passes over his face. That's right. There's nothing else I can do. The next day, Nina sits with Ed now as they do their research. 
She tells him that her mom left two years ago to go back to her parents' house. And Al says it must be lonely living in this big house with just the two of them. No, it's not, she says. Daddy's nice to me, and I have Alexandra, too. But lately, Daddy's always in his lab with the door closed, so it's a little lonely. Ed and Al are silent for a minute. Then Ed declares he needs a break from all the reading. Al suggests a little exercise, and Ed agrees. Hey, dog, I'll play with you for exercise, he says, <laughs> pointing to Alexander. Al calls for Nita to come along, and they all troop outside to play. Their carefree laughter drips up to the laboratory window, where Tucker tears and crumples up a piece of paper and buries his head in his hands, looking desperate. The next morning, storm clouds gather as Ed and Al arrive at the Tucker household for another day of research. They ring the bell and get no answer, but the door is unlocked, so they carefully step inside. They call out for Mr. Tucker and Nina as they wind through the dark halls, and they eventually find Tucker kneeling just inside the door to his lab. Oh, it's you guys, he says, standing. A pair of glowing eyes are visible in the shadows behind him. It's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrifying. <laughs> Look, it's my newest creation. It's a chimera that talks like a human. The creature is eerie looking, standing on four paws with oddly elongated toes. A mane of long hair half covers its face and runs all the way down its humped back to form a shaggy tail. Watch this, Tucker says, kneeling in front of the creature again. This person is Edward, understand? Edward, it repeats, tilting its head. That's very good, Tucker says, patting its head. Very good. Ed is amazed at the demonstration, and Tucker sighs in relief that he made it in time for the assessment. And when the grant money kicks in, I won't have to worry about research costs for a while. Ed kneels down in front of the creature, looking curious. It looks back at him and begins slowly repeating his name again. Edward, Edward, Edward. And then, Big Brother. Ed's eyes go wide in horror. Mr. Tucker, he says calmly. When was it you got your license? By making the first chimera that spoke human words? Uh, that was two years ago, Tucker answers. And when did your wife leave? That was two years ago, too. Can I ask you one more question, Ed says, and he turns with anger burning in his eyes. Where are Nina and Alexander? Tucker merely frowns. I hate perceptive brats like you. Ed grabs him by the collar and slams him against the wall, absolutely furious. So that's what happened, you scum. How could you? Two years ago, it was your wife. This time you made a chimera out of your own daughter and a dog. Alex down at the chimera in shock. Because there's only so much you can do experimenting on animals, Ed continues. Humans are so much better, am I right? Tucker, seeming genuinely surprised, says he doesn't understand why Ed is so angry. The progress of medicine, the progress of human knowledge, is the result of experimenting on humans. Someone has to do it. And as a scientist, he thinks Ed should understand. Ed screams at him to shut up, demands to know if he thinks he'll get away with playing around with people's lives like this. This makes Tucker start laughing. You mean like your brother's life and your arm? That's also the result of playing around with people's lives, yes? Ed punches him hard with his automail arm, but Tucker keeps laughing, wild-eyed. You're no different than I am. You thought you could do it, so you did it. You couldn't help but try it, even if it was forbidden. In fact, because it was forbidden, Ed punches him again. That isn't true, he screams. We alchemists would never do that. Every few words are punctuated by another punch. Blood begins to fly from his fist, flecking his face. We'd never, I'd never. Al catches his wrist before he can swing again. Edward, any more and you'll kill him. Ed pants, grits his teeth, and lets Tucker slump to the floor. He laughs again, though much weaker this time. Pretty words don't get anything done, he starts to say, but Al cuts him off. Mr. Tucker, if you say one more word, this time I'll be the one to snap. And Tucker falls silent. Al kneels down in front of the chimera formed of Nina and her beloved dog. Nina, he says, cradling her face. I'm sorry, we don't have the skill right now to turn you back to normal. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Wanna play, the chimera says. Wanna play, wanna play. Lightning crashes and it begins to rain. Does anyone need a break? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> On the steps in front of the headquarters building, Hawkeye and Mustang have a conversation. If there ever truly was the work of the devil, then this was it, she says. Roy responds by pointing out that all state alchemists are the military's human weapons. 
We obey orders and we don't complain if we get our hands dirty in the process. When it comes to messing with human lives, Tucker's actions aren't so different from our own. Hawkeye says that's an adult's logic, and despite how he acts, Edward is still a child. But the path that he's chosen will no doubt lead to hardships greater than he faced today, Roy continues. He has to move forward, even if it means forcing himself to understand. Isn't that right, Full Metal? They come to a pause on the steps where Ed and Al sit in a miserable huddle in the rain. How long do you plan on staying depressed? Ed only offers a weak shut up in response, so Roy goes on, pointing out that he's here in the military studying alchemy because he chose to join. They could have just gone on trying to live the best lives they could with the bodies they have now, but that's not the choice they made. Can you afford to be held back by something so small? Something so small, Ed repeats, clenching his fist. You're right. People may call us dogs or devils, but Al and I will get our original bodies back. But we're not devils or gods, he stands suddenly, raising his voice. We're humans. We can't even save one little girl. We're just pathetic human beings. Go home and rest, Roy says. You'll catch a cold. Outside Tucker's house, military guards are posted. They try to stop a man from entering, but he cracks his knuckles and declares, I'm going through. Inside, Tucker sits across from his creation. Why doesn't anybody understand, he asks. Why, Nina? The man from outside appears in the doorway. He wears dark glasses, partially obscuring a large facial scar. Are you show Tucker, he asks. Who are you, Tucker asks as the man approaches. You're not with the military. How did you get in? There were guards outside. Alchemists who have strayed from the path of God must die, the man declares. He suddenly takes hold of Tucker's face in his right hand. Energy crackles down his arm, and then blood gushes forcefully from every part of Tucker's body. The man releases him, and he falls down dead. The chimera noses at Tucker's bloody hand. Tears stream from its eyes. Daddy, daddy, it begins to repeat. The man watches with a pitying look. How awful. Now that he's done this to you, there's no way to change you back to normal. He places his hand on the chimera's head much more gently. At the very least, go in peace. Lightning crashes again, and the man leaves his work behind. My lord God, who created everything in this world, two souls have now returned to your side. Please take pity on them and grant them forgiveness and peace in your loving embrace. He removes his glasses, and the rain pours down. And that's the end of chapter five. Yeah. yeah. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so something kind of interesting is my cousin is starting to watch this show and he came over a few weeks ago and we decided to watch an episode together and this happened to be the episode he was on <laughs> so coincidence uh, yeah or i don't know <laughs> it's always a always a downer that one <laughs> it's definitely i forgot a lot of things that happened like in this uh in this series that i had actually seen before but i'll never mm -hmm. forget this one ever mm -hmm. <laughs> well i mean i think isn't this pretty much the most iconic scene from full metal people who haven't even seen or read it i think know about it more so maybe. than mm -hmm. pretty much anything else i think maybe it's mm -hmm. definitely one of them i think just being such an early shocking moment that even people who maybe didn't finish the series they're like what the fuck, fuck. yeah <laughs> like, I remember it's, that so. it's pretty early in I forget which version of the anime, but it's one of the first ones. Brotherhood, I th yeah, Brotherhood. I think it's mm -hmm. episode three. Yeah, four. so it's mm -hmm. quite early. So even if you watch just a couple, you might be like, "What the hell mm -hmm. is this?" Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Good anyway. times. Yep. <laughs> On to something else sad, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure in the end, 150 chapters <clears throat> from now, it'll all be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> However many there are. <laughs> Everything will be fine. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> All right. All right. We open up chapter six with a memory. A very young Edward eagerly runs up to his mother, who is picking tomatoes in the garden. He grins as he shows off a little horse statue, proudly, proudly telling her that he put it together with alchemy. 
His mother notes that Ed really does take after his father and pats him on the head. Thank you, Edward. You really are special, being able to create something so wonderful. But it's too bad. And the memory suddenly changes. Blood pours down his mother's face. You couldn't put me back together, too. In the present, Ed startles awake from his nightmare, panting and sweating. He grimaces and clutches at his automail leg. It hurts, he says into the dark. Oh, I was wrong. It's still sad. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Rain continues to fall the next morning. Ed and Al hesitate outside a door within the headquarters building. Just as they decide to turn away, the door opens and Hawkeye calls out to them. What are you doing here so early, she asks. Ed asks what's going to happen to Tucker and Nina. Hawkeye looks grim. She explains that Tucker was due to have his license revoked and go to trial, but both of them were killed last night. In response to their horrified look, she says, you would have found out eventually, even if we tried to hide it, so I might as well tell you now. She begins to walk briskly down the hallway, and Ed and Al follow after her. What? Why? By who? She says she doesn't know. She's on her way to the location now, and Ed says they're coming too. No, she says firmly. It's better that you don't see. At the murder scene, two soldiers from Central look over the covered bodies. Hey, Colonel Mustang, we came here to get Tucker alive, says the one in glasses, kneeling closest to the bodies. Are you telling us to put this corpse on trial? We didn't come all the way here to do an autopsy. <laughs> Roy holds his head in frustration. Lieutenant Colonel Hughes, you don't need to remind us of our mistake. Please, just take a look. Hughes pulls back the sheet, cringing a little at the gory sight. He asks if the guards outside died the same way. Roy confirms that they did. They were in pieces, or getting that way, as if they'd been blown apart from the inside. Are you thinking what I'm thinking, Major Armstrong? Hughes asks the other soldier accompanying him, and the big man says, Yes, there's no doubt about it. It's him. We cut suddenly to Lior, the town from the first two chapters, and it's not doing great. Buildings are trashed, smoke billows into the air, and the people are fighting in the streets. Lust looks over at all from the church balcony, gluttony at her side. Humans are such fools, she says. Quite right, comes in a green voice, and Father Cornello steps out of the shadows. He's back. But when things, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when things work out like you planned them, that pitiful quality can be so nice. Well, well, your holiness, Lust says with a grin. She apologizes for making him come out here, and Cornella says he'll be going back to the city he's in charge in once all of this is over. I was a little worried when that full metal boy messed up our plans, but as a result, our work will be finished ahead of schedule, so he's actually a big help, Lust says. Cornella grins over how easy it was to get what they wanted here. Over scenes of violence involving the citizens and the military below, he says, Humans really are simple creatures. Bloodshed begets bloodshed. Hatred begets hatred. The rage and emotion sinks into the land and stains it with a crest of blood. No matter how many times history repeats, they never learn, Lust says. These sad fools. Gluttony asks if a lot of people will die, and if he can eat them, which Lust forbids with a hand on his head. By the way, Envy, she says, how long do you plan on using that voice and body? It's making me sick. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, no zombies? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Cornella grins. Come on, I was just setting the mood, that's all, he says. Transmutation effects run all along his body, and he starts to change. But if I'm going to change shape anyway, why should I be a crusty old geezer when I can be young and cute? <laughs> and Envy settles into a new form, a tall, thin person with long, dark hair. The Ouroboros symbol is visible on the side of their thigh. You're a monster, cries out one of Cornello's priests, who has walked in at exactly the wrong time. <laughs> Understandably freaking out, he demands to know what's going on. What happened to the real father, Cornello, and who are you people? Lust and Envy sigh and look at each other. What should we do, she asks, while Envy is just insulted to be called a monster. <laughs> can I eat him, Gluttony asks. And that apparently works for them as a solution to this problem. <laughs> While Gluttony does what Gluttony does best, the others talk about the news of Show Tucker's death. They don't particularly care about Tucker, but the, but the killer's work is apparently familiar to them. And now that he's in East City, where both Roy and Ed are, and as annoying as Ed is for messing with their plans, they can't allow him to die. He's our human sacrifice, Envy says. After a little more talk, they agree to go check in on the situation. Back in the East, the killer is also being discussed, with Hughes and Armstrong reporting what they know to Mustang. He's largely a mystery, background and weapon of choice completely unknown, except for the large X-shaped scar on his forehead, which has earned him the obvious codename of Scar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
He's killed five alchemists in Central City this year alone, and a total of 10 across the whole country, some of whom were very impressive military combatants on top of their alchemy expertise. Hughes recommends that Roy double his security and lie low for a while with Scar in town. I'm asking this as a friend, he says, and then asks Roy if he and Tucker were the only notable alchemists in the area. This prompts an oh shit reaction from Roy, and he quickly works to find out where the Elric brothers are. Hawkeye says she saw them on Main Street, and they call for all spare hands to report there. On the street, Ed and Al are still in mope in the rain mode. Ed says he's Ed says he's been wondering what this alchemy they put so much trust in really is, and Al begins to quote their teacher. Alchemy is the reconstruction of matter in new forms based on knowledge of natural laws. This world flows by obeying these laws, Ed continues. Death, too, is a part of that flow, except the flow of the world. He says he thought he knew what that meant, but he didn't. That's why they tried to bring their mom back, and why, even now, he's trying to think of how to fix what happened with Nina when he knows it's something that no one can change. I'm a fool, he says. I haven't grown up at all since then. They comment on how different the rain feels to the two of them, Ed hoping it would wash away all of his doubts, but just finding it annoying, while Al can't feel it at all. I want to go back to being human, Al says, even if that means doing the impossible and going against the flow of the world. Military guard finds them and comes over to warn them about the killer in town. Unfortunately, he does this by shouting Edward Elric's famous name as he walks right by said killer. <laughs> it's impeccable timing. <laughs> yeah. Scar looms over them. The soldier tries to draw his gun, but Scar kills him before he can fire a shot and begins to advance on the brothers. Ed is frozen in panic and fear for a moment. I'm going to die, he thinks, until the ringing of the clock tower shakes him out of it and he pushes for Al to run. What's his problem? Ed wonders as they tear off with Scar in pursuit. I've never done anything to make someone hate me. Actually, I've done a lot, but I don't deserve to die. <laughs> Al ducks into an alley and beckons Ed to follow. He quickly draws a transmutation circle on the ground in chalk and summons up a huge wall behind them. Now he can't come after us, he says, but the wall almost immediately begins to crack and shatter, revealing Scar with his hand outstretched, proving that his destructive power isn't limited to flesh. He touches the alley wall, bringing it down in front of the boys and blocking their escape. Who the hell are you? Why are you after us? Ed asks. There are those who create, Scar replies, and those who destroy. I guess I have no choice, Ed says, and grimly grabs an exposed pipe from the wall to transmute it into a sword. Beside him, Al takes on a fighting stance. You have courage, Scar says, as Ed and Al attack, but you're slow. He dodges and brings his hand down on Al's side, destroying much of the armor there and sending him to the ground. Ed screams in rage and moves in for another attack, but Scar grabs his right arm. I said you're too slow. Light flares, but it does nothing more to Ed than send him tumbling to the ground. Scarler's confused until Ed mutters a curse and sheds his soak jacket, revealing his metal arm. Automail, Scar says. No wonder my body disrupting attack had no effect. He adds that he was planning to strip Al's armor before destroying him, but there's nothing inside. You're a strange pair. This has taken longer than I thought it would. Ed transmutes a blade into his automail while Al yells at him to run, and Scar observes that Ed makes a transmutation circle by putting his hands together. Well then, he says, as Ed attacks. The blade cuts his cheek, but it brings Ed close enough that he can grab hold of Ed's automail arm. I'll start with your arm. Allow me to destroy it. And with a flash of transmutation energy, Ed's arm shatters into pieces. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. It turns out having the more expensive model doesn't always help. <laughs> it's going to be way more expensive to replace. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's the end of chapter six. Uh, chapter seven picks up right where we left off. His arm destroyed. Ed drops to his knees as Scar approaches and Alex on in horror. I'll give you a moment to pray, Scar says. But Ed says there's not really any god he feels like praying to. Instead, he asks if Scar is only after him or if he's going to kill Al, too. Scar confirms that though he'll kill anyone in his way, the Full Metal Alchemist is his only actual target. All right, then promise me. Promise you won't touch my brother. I promise, Scar agrees and stalks forward. Al screams at Ed to get up and run, but the damage to his armor is too great to let him do anything else. Scar's hand lowers to Ed's head, and then a gunshot catches everyone's attention. The cavalry has arrived. Roy, backed by Hawkeye, Havoc, and several other soldiers, close in on the scene. Roy lays out the crimes Scar is accused of, and the the state alchemist murders and the murders at the Tucker estate. 
God made the world perfect. Alchemists change the natural into the unnatural, twist things out of their true form. They sin by defacing God's creation. Scar clenches his fists and finishes, I am an instrument of divine judgment. Roy asks why he only kills state alchemists then when there are so many other alchemists to kill, but Scar only promises to kill him too if he gets in the way. Roy is happy enough to meet that threat, tossing his handgun aside for Hawkeye to catch and pulling on his special gloves. Scar is equally eager when he realizes that the man facing him is yet another state alchemist on his list. Hawkeye calls out for Roy to stop a few times as he advances on Scar, but when he fails to listen, she resorts to kicking his legs out from under him, so he trips harmlessly under Scar's attack, then returns fire with both guns in her hands, sending Scar dodging away. What was that for? Roy demands from the ground, and Hawkeye says, You're useless on rainy days. Please stand back, Colonel. Oh yeah, he can't put out sparks in this moisture, Havoc adds, holding out his hand into the rain, while Roy slumps in shame. <laughs> Not so kakui this time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think Hawkeye gets that uh, award this time. Definitely. She's super <laughs> That is accurate. <laughs> Scar declares his intent to destroy everyone here, but he's interrupted by a powerful strike that shatters the wall behind him when he barely dodges away. Major Armstrong has joined the fight in the most bombastic way possible. <laughs> you brazen insurrectionary, I've had enough of you. You want to destroy everyone here? Don't make me laugh. Why don't you try to beat me first? He brandishes his fists, on which he's wearing spiked metal gauntlets inscribed with alchemical symbols. I'm the strong arm alchemist, Alex Louis Armstrong. So many of you today, one after another, Scar says. This must be a gift from God. Armstrong is impressed that he doesn't back down. As a sign of respect for your courage, I'll show you this. The, elega the elegant alchemical technique passed down through the Armstrong family for generations. He heaves a chunk of rubble into the air and punches it as it falls down, transmuting it into a spike that soars towards Scar with incredible speed and power. And he doesn't stop there, punching down into the street to create a wave of spikes to try and pin Scar down. Major, don't tear up the street, Havoc scolds from the background. What's that you say? Armstrong responds. What destroys can also create, and what creates can also destroy. Destruction and creation are two sides of the same coin. We must tear down in order to build. That is the great law of the cosmos. But why did he take his shirt off? Havoc wonders. <laughs> Armstrong's attention is back on his opponent. A fellow alchemist would know the truth in what I say. Isn't that right, Scar? You're saying he's an alchemist too? Roy asks, startled, but Ed is less surprised. He explains that transmutation consists of three steps, analysis, deconstruction, and reconstruction. Scar is just stopping at the deconstruction phase. As Armstrong continues to keep Scar busy, the onlookers puzzle over him using alchemy against his own preachings and wonder why he's only going after those with a government license. Armstrong is an impressive fighter, managing to push Scar back with his strength and speed. Scar's back hits a wall, but he's finally worked out a weakness. Armstrong swings too wide. When he comes in for his next strike, Scar prepares to take advantage of the opening, but Armstrong stops suddenly short. He had me cornered. Why'd he pull back? Scar wonders. And he looks around just in time to spot Hawkeye in position with a rifle. She takes several shots, but Scar is still too fast. One shot manages to graze his head, knocking off his dark glasses and leaving a bleeding wound. He glares around at his attackers, and Armstrong, Mustang, and Hawkeye all visibly react to what they see. Red eyes and his dark skin, Armstrong says. He's in his Valen, Roy confirms with a strained look. Scar looks around and starts to reconsider his chances. Maybe there are too many of you, he admits. Roy war warns him not to run because he's fully surrounded, but Scar raises his hand and brings it down, collapsing the ground beneath his feet. That maniac went into the sewers, the surprised soldiers cry, scrambling not to fall into the huge crater he left. They decide that this is not a chase to follow up on today. Pretty good tactic. Yeah. <laughs> you can manage it, I guess. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, if you have the power of destruction in your hand. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's, it's not, a bad, not a bad method. Definitely. <laughs> Hughes pops out into the aftermath, happily confirming that he'd been hiding because this is clearly not a fight for normal human beings, and hey, someone had to live to tell the tale if things went south. Roy gripes a bit about this. Nearby, Ed runs to where Al is slumped broken against the wall. Alphonse, Al, are you all right? 
Edward, Al begins, and then he punches his brother in the face. You idiot, why didn't you run when I told you to? Because I didn't want to just leave you there. That's why I called you an idiot, Al yells with another punch. When there's a way to survive and you choose death, that's what idiots do. Ed tells him not to talk to his older brother that way, but Al isn't deterred. He takes hold of Ed's collar. You have to live and keep living so you can do more research. You have to find a way to get our old bodies back and maybe even save poor girls like Nina. I won't let you throw that chance away. If you did, I'd never forgive you. The speech is only slightly ruined by Al's arm falling off at the end of it, which he declares is also Ed's fault for being an idiot. Ed laughs quietly. We're a real mess, aren't we? How uncool. But we're alive, Al says. Yeah, Ed agrees. We're alive. Hawkeye and Havoc help, help the boys to their feet, while Roy, obvious, having obviously explained the whole soul armor situation, looks on with Armstrong and Hughes. Hughes points out that none of them can relax too much. There's a very dangerous man after Roy and the other state alchemists. And he's an Ishvalan, Roy adds, frowning. Looks like this might get worse. Later, Roy narrates over a series of grim flashback images. The Ishvalans are a people from the East who believe in one god, Ishvala. Due to religious differences, they'd always been in conflict with the central government, but 13 years ago, when an army officer accidentally shot an Ishvalan child, the incident exploded into civil war. Riot led to riot, and soon the fires of civil war spread throughout the entire East area. After seven frustrating years, the military commanders took a new tactic. They used state alchemists in an all-out genocide campaign. They were recruited as human weapons. It was an opportunity to test their suitability for war. Sitting behind his desk, Roy finishes, I was one of those state alchemists. That's why there's a certain justice in one of the last surviving Ishvalans seeking vengeance. Ed disagrees with calling it any kind of justice. Whatever happened, he's involving innocent people in his revenge. Hughes points out that Scar also hates alchemy, but is using its power for his revenge. Someone like that who doesn't care what other people think is one of the most dangerous people there is. We can't care what people think about us either, Roy says, because we can't afford to die yet. The next time we meet, there won't be any explanations, because we'll kill him. The team looks grimly determined. On that cheerful note, Hughes stands up and asks what Ed and Al are planning to do next. Ed says he wants to fix Al's body, but he's the only one who knows how to work with the soul binding, and he can't perform alchemy with only one arm. The others realize that without his alchemy talent, Ed is just kind of a loudmouth brat. <laughs> Al offers no defense, and Ed complains that he's being picked on. <laughs> Eventually, he sighs. Fine, I have no choice, he says. I have to go see my mechanic. And that's the end of Chapter 7. Yay. Right. An undoubtedly and, intensive mechanic for an undoubtedly yes. intensive <laughs> yeah. repair. On the and we need to change the sign because it has been zero days since our last child dismemberment. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> now I'm unhappy again. I was excited about next chapter. <laughs> now I'm just sad again. <laughs> right. Yay. Let's talk about sad things. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is what we signed up for. We started this year with child dismemberment, so. Yes. <laughs> we knew what was we sort of knew what we were getting into at least or at least i did you know what you're getting into again um i'm a little surprised just at how like especially five and six are just like powerhouses of just a lot going on mm -hmm. um i mean again the whole nina story is just there's a whole lot it's heavy but then they immediately go into chapter six with that very disturbing dream yes with his mom yeah, I had to stop for a minute after that. Maybe even more so than than with Nina, and that that might just be because I kind of knew that story. I kind of knew what to expect, mm. and then after that was over, I got hit by this. It was just like, whoa, hold on. Mm -hmm. And then you, you know, have a little bit more information about Scar, Father Cornwallis, Cornello, Cornello, <laughs> Father Cornello is back, and then he's not back. I think you should call Father well, it I think we just one, call right? him a different C name so every time. <laughs> you know that guy? Yo, 
know, Father Cornelius, uh, <laughs> Father Cotswold, oh. you know. Yeah, right. Wow. Who turned out to not be him anyway, so it doesn't matter what we call him anymore, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, just just uh, two very, very strong chapters, one right after the other. And then seven is also really great. Yeah, then it goes into genocide, right? So yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> There's, there was no stopping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Alan, you were talking in our, our first episode about how, like, our car just kind of goes right into it doesn't really like pull her punches on stuff and it's just like yeah she's uh continuing to uh hit hard yep even in these early chapters yep they're like oh yeah how about this like incident where person in power shot this person caused a civil war none of that sounds familiar today not at all <laughs> i'm just gonna quietly drink my ginger ale over here <laughs> yeah i do appreciate it just how quickly it goes into like the dark aspect of alchemy because that's one of those things where I think a lesser series would be like, oh, yay, alchemy, it's cool. And then, like, maybe, like, way down the line, it would be like, but here's what you can do with it that's bad. But it's like, <laughs> right away, it's like, yeah, that's that's some dark shit that can happen there. <laughs> it's kind of like, like, we, Kayla and I did a series about Fruits Basket. We did a podcast about Fruits Basket. And that's the, that's kind of part of what happens in Fruba is, like, it starts off with all the, like, cute zodiac animals for a good amount of chapters like there's some sad stuff mm-hmm. that happens but it's all like and then everything was fine every two or three chapters pretty much and then yeah. it power about a third to a halfway through the story it gets really dark much much darker mm-hmm. no Arakawa was just like by the way i want to <laughs> talk about some horrible things in this manga so if you're yeah. not ready uh mm-hmm. now's the time to bail <laughs> yeah chapter seven like, is the time to bail yeah, she's like, who's ready for some child dismembering human experimentation <laughs> and genocide? Ooh. I am. Oh, like, per- uh, infanticide, I guess, in this case, yeah. too. <laughs> mm-hmm. They all said chuckling, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's but yeah, you're definitely right. a heavy topic, hard to talk about, it is. I think. But also, mm-hmm. like, you're right that the Cosm, that, like, it's also one chapter after another in this series that we read. Like, there is no, you know, like... Uh, the last two chapters that we read, it was like there were it touched on some things that were challenging, like uh, government corruption and stuff. But then you have like the whole train hijacking scene where Ed is doing all his gaudy transmutations and stuff. And like, that's funny. Mm-hmm. It adds some humor. I mean, the confrontation with Scar is kind of funny. It's like kind of funny mm-hmm. and kind of not. At the end, when the backup starts to come, it's funny. And like having Armstrong there makes it a little bit lighter, <laughs> which is great. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like one bad thing after another. I have like mm-hmm. two pages of notes, which is crazy. Yeah. Normally, I have like three bullet points. <laughs> yeah. So that's something I'm also always impressed with with Arco is how well she manages to swing back and forth between like pretty broad comedy mm-hmm. and like really serious shit. Like, mm-hmm. I love all their faces when Armstrong starts his spiel. So he shows up and mm-hmm. starts to fight, but then everybody else is like, "Ugh!" Like they make this like yeah, super... it's like, <laughs> the feeling that they like all are very familiar with this guy. <laughs> yeah, it seems like they're all pretty familiar with each other in general, actually, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. But yes, in particular, that scene, they're all, they're like, Ugh, like, Ed's about to die, and then Armstrong comes in, and it's, like, a little bit yeah. funny. <laughs> it's a little lighter. Mm-hmm. Although, at the end of the fight, Armstrong says that uh, it was difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So he commented yeah. on that specifically, even though he was, it was funny for us. You know, yeah. As an audience. Yeah, I like Armstrong as a character, because, like, he seems, like, mm-hmm. at first, like, just kind of a one-note comedy character, but, like, he's the one who figures out that Scar is using alchemy. Yep. Like, and he's also the, you know, he says that, like, you know, like, it took all my effort just to stay alive and, like, pretty mm-hmm. seriously afterward. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not just that he's Scar's using alchemy, but, like, specifically how he's using it. Because mm-hmm. I noticed that in the first, one of the notes that I have about Scar's, like, power 
which is how I described it, is that he... So, like, when you see specifically Ed's auto mail get um, damaged, it's, like, partially... It looks like it's transmuted, and partially the pieces are still together. Like, it's kind of like he broke part of it. Like, mm -hmm. he didn't just not he didn't just like disintegrate the whole thing mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's like and and armstrong goes into detail about how he alchemy's in kind of like three steps it's like analyzing what the thing is destroying it and then rebuilding it and he only does the mm -hmm. destruction part which i guess mm -hmm. also explains why he couldn't transmute ed's arm the first time he grabbed it because he didn't know mm -hmm. there was flesh yeah anyway it's very interesting how he like goes into it he he figures it out. I like how Ed is like, I knew that, but <laughs> Armstrong also figured out in specific yeah. detail how, what exactly he does, which then is used for us, Arakawa to explain to us kind of like mm -hmm. another thing about alchemy and how it works, but also mm -hmm. what yeah, Scar is he, doing. Yeah, because he gives like the little like speech about like construction and deconstruction, which just seems silly at first until it like goes into like, <laughs> oh, this is what Scar is doing. Yes. <laughs> it's also relevant to the discussion that Ed and Al have before, I think, where they're talking about the world flows by obeying these laws mm -hmm. death is part of that there's a i have a issue i have raised a, i found my first issue with the translation which isn't really an issue <laughs> but there's a in the um i was like that's a very weird like esoteric and specific thing to say so i looked at it in japanese and the thing about it is that it, it does say that something flows but it also has this other word that's included in his description when he's talking about that which is shunkan which means like circulation or like a cycle or a loop. So I think there's mm -hmm. also like a cyclical connotation, yeah. which doesn't really come across in what Ed says, but does come across in what Armstrong says. So I think it's kind of an mm -hmm. interesting thing to note that there's yeah. like the, the destruction and construction and the flow of life that Ed is talking about is also mm -hmm. sort of cyclical. And that's important to understand. That's why yeah. he, it's also important. He says like death is a part of that life cycle and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's definitely like an aspect of alchemy in general. Like, the fact that like everything is done with circles and yeah like, even it even ed has to make a circle with his arms to do his alchemy yeah he says scar says mm -hmm. that he can he uses the like flow of energy between his hands as a circle to create a circle i guess mm -hmm. so yeah it's interesting that scar also is very uh astute about the way that alchemy works even though he doesn't mm -hmm. like use it the same way that alchemists do which is interesting too yeah. i guess hypocritical but interesting mm -hmm. yes yeah he seems like like he's coming at it from a different angle. Like he, like didn't get the same kind of like training that everyone else we've seen has. He like he's not on the level. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like like he seems to just like approach it in a very different way. Even though he seems like equally knowledgeable. He calls it body destruction technique or something really weird too. Yeah. He doesn't call it alchemy. Mm -hmm. He was like disrupting or something. Body, body disruption technique. Body disrupting attack. Mm -hmm. Apparently. But then he's able to do the stuff to the automail and Al's armor as well. But mm -hmm. So he made the assumption that it was a person inside the armor and he was going to take the armor off and then attack the person. So it's almost like he can't do, he can like work with one type of kind of material at a time. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. We kind of seen that. Like, I guess Ed does that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it kind of fits in with the like, you know, like you can only make something out of the same kind of material mm. thing with alchemy. So it's like. Well, how I understood that was that that the reason it didn't work is that at the like the first step, the analysis step, he was just his calculation was wrong. Mm. Or, I mean, I don't know if they mm -hmm. talk about it as calculations, but you know, yeah. he was expecting flesh, and so the reaction would have started from that hand, which uh, he was assuming was flesh. And I think because like I don't know if he could have 
because they're all connected, the automail and the, the, the body, if he could manage to, to do something to, to affect both of them at the same time. Yeah, I don't know. Or if because they're two separate entities or, or you know, distinct pieces. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't remember if they go into more detail about how that works, but... Um, Maybe we'll find out later. Yeah. Yeah. He seems to approach it as though they're, like, two completely different things that he has to approach separately, so... That's how he thinks of it, or if it's, if it's like part of the law of alchemy. It's interesting that something that you said just I didn't think about it until just now, which is like he only uses his one arm. That one chapter is called like the right arm of destruction or something, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, as opposed to like using two hands or drawing a circle. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that's like because like the alchemy circle is supposed to help you. I don't know if they said this. I don't think this is like canon or whatever, but I'm pretty sure the circle is supposed to help you kind of like bring the elements together. Like it's kind of a template for how you bring the th different things together, right? In theory, yeah. I guess. Like it's supposed to. It's yeah. not just like it's like mm -hmm. oh, you're using it to focus. It's like kind of a. Yeah, I think they call it like an equation yeah. at different points in the series. Like, like they have to put like the equation on the circle yeah. or whatever. So, so like you put the element that you're the elements you're trying to connect on the circle, and that's how you get. Yeah, which we can kind of see with like like Roy's circle yeah. has like obviously elements of fire because he's working with fire yeah. alchemy. And like when Al draws a circle in the first chapter, it has some symbols in it. I forget what they were, but and he puts the clock in there, mm -hmm. and then it kind of like brings them back together, I guess. But yeah, so guys, yeah. maybe maybe that's partially why he can't bring he can't reconstruct things i mean i obviously he doesn't want to but yeah i don't know that's like he's only he only uses one hand ed uses two hands or you need something to connect everything i guess so i never yeah. thought about that till you just said that which is really weird because like it's so obvious that he only uses yeah. one hand and i'm pretty sure if you look back he only uses the same hand over and over again but i'm not mm -hmm. sure like he swats at al with the yeah. one hand and then he grabs <laughs> ed's arm with the other hand so he obviously knows some like martial artsy kind of I, techniques too because he's super fast and armstrong mm -hmm. comments on how he's super fast too so yeah at the very least there's definitely some symbolism i think in like him fighting with yeah. only the one arm and like compared to the whole circle flow of life alchemy well, he stuff says he's only destructing everyone else is talking about or yeah destroying mm -hmm. not destructing <laughs> yeah destructing. That's, that's a word right <laughs> so uh, well i guess on the the, the topic of like symbolism with scar there was two things that I actually noticed while rereading it while you were going through your synopsis. Story time. And the first is the just I I mean I know um, we we've talked about like uh, symbology before, mm. like mm. The, the actual symbols and, and and depictions. The back of his coat has a cross, mm. and I don't think I've ever really realized that and what that might signify i don't know it could also be a coincidence but mm. but the other thing is when he was getting Shao tucker mm -hmm. um the the actual panel where you see what happened to him yeah when you see the blood coming out of him you see Shao like kind of bent over and and scar with his hand on top of his head mm -hmm. and i'm not a hundred percent sure but i feel like isn't that some sort of pose in some form some sects of christianity where someone bows and then like a priest would put their hand on the top of their head mm -hmm. yeah i mean i i know that um scar's motivation or at least what he talks about a lot is his religion and and mm -hmm. keeping true to the god of ishval and and, and mm -hmm. all of that and so yeah, I mean, th those are just a few things that I picked up. Yeah, there's definitely kind of like a, like, I absolve you of your sins through death kind of He does that look through to that image. Every yeah. character. 
Mm-hmm. Like he does that to Show, he does that to Nina, and he does that to Ed right before Ed gets rescued. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's part yeah. of his deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing I always find striking with Scar's introduction is like you know he like brutally murders uh, mm-hmm. Show Tucker, and we don't care because he's an <laughs> asshole. Um, but, but he brutally um, murders Nina. But he's com- but he, well, that's what I'm saying. It's like he's comparatively really gentle yeah, with Nina. Yeah. Like he talks to her like as if he's like you know like go in peace and like gently puts his hand on her head rather than like grabbing Tucker's face and mm-hmm. that's true. He definitely thinks mm-hmm. I think like his motivation he thinks that he's doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. I guess it's hard to say exactly what his motivation is at this point, but yeah, I think you can tell from the way that he treats Nina mm-hmm. and like the things that he says that he mm-hmm. definitely feels like he's right. Ed thinks that he's involving innocent people, but in his mind, in in Scar's mind, they're not innocent because they've like sinned against Ishvala. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that the moment with Nina and the uh, and him like seeming apparently genuinely promising not to hurt Al yeah after Ed gives up is like things that kind of like like give Scar like nuance even this early on where you're like you're like oh it's a scary serial killer and then you're like there's there's something else going on here he's a serial killer with a marked face and they say he has red eyes and Mm -hmm. stuff like yeah 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 like he's got all the like one note villain (laughs) symbols going on on him but like it's obviously not his name is scar at this point it's like another villain we know (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes obviously (laughs) it's like long the king When they were talking about death being a part of uh, the flow of life, I was like, and then when we die, our bodies become the grass. (laughs) (laughs) The antelope eat the grass. (laughs) Anyway, who knew? So many connections. Mm -hmm. Yes. Lust and envy and gluttony. They seem to have a connection to Scar. They were like, oh, our killer, where is he? Or whatever. It's not clear mm-hmm. what that connection is, but yeah. they seem to have some kind of connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the very least, they're keeping tabs mm-hmm. on him. They have a religious element con- like connection, too. Yeah, because he's <laughs> speaking of uh, unsubtle religious symbols. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Although, the in terms of, like, the, the... Other than their names, they don't have any other, I guess, like, at least Christian iconography in their characters mm-hmm. or anything like that. So, yeah. But I mean, obviously they're they're named after the deadly sin, so there's something there. But yeah, yeah, not so much. Not like Scar with his like jacket, like Cosmo saying, and mm-hmm. you know his whole everything he said. So <laughs> yeah, the obvious mm-hmm. Christian connotation, and yeah, and the like touching the head and absolving people of their mm-hmm. sins. Yes, <laughs> I wrote in my notes, explodes people and is religious. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we know about him so far. It's on his business card. Yeah, really. <laughs> exploding person for hire <laughs> mm-hmm. destroyer for hire yeah. speaking of i was like i was like struggling to describe his like attack because i'm like he like explodes people but that sounds silly when i'm saying it and yeah so I, like wrote stuff about like blood gushing out or whatever but i was like kind of struck by the description roy gave of the guards we said like they were in pieces or getting that way yeah i was like i was like oh, yeah. <laughs> i know it's so gross <laughs> well it's like you can kind of i that's why i think the transmutation mm-hmm. Or, like, his attack on Ed's automail is really interesting because you can see part mm. of it is transmuted and part of it's broken. So it's, like, yeah. he kind of... It's, like, a half-assed alchemy. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's very interesting. Yeah. It's like, so, yeah, that on flesh. Doesn't finish. So good. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and he just kind of, like, the place where... It's not like he fully dismantled Al. Like, I guess he mm-hmm. could have done that. But instead, it's just, like, a hole that he tore. I guess that's what he mm-hmm. intended to do because he thought there was a body, but... Yeah. You'd think that you would just, like, get rid of the, all the armor mm-hmm. or just insert yeah. your hand into I the feel armor like, or something 
Yeah. I also feel like the like full page panel of uh, Ed's arm going like to mm. pieces is kind of a nice like like non R rated version of what is happening to all the other bodies <laughs> for you. True. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, like, a good point. Like, yes yeah the other ones are more pg-13 i guess yeah <laughs> Where it's like you can see like just the blood start to like come out of um start to come out of shows back and stuff but you don't see the mm -hmm. and then everything else is just like bloody limbs or whatever when you mm -hmm. see them the guards too also you have like the great that when he first comes up there's like you think it's just a flash of lightning but it's like his power that he's using that's flashing mm -hmm. too i guess outside at least that's what the way yeah. i interpreted it Mm -hmm. When Sho's sitting with Nina in the room and he's outside, yeah. I was like, oh, that's what he did. <laughs> mm -hmm. I knew it was alchemy too, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Scar, he's scary, right? Mm -hmm. But yep. he has some kind of, well, I'm not going to say they're good intentions, but he has yeah. intentions that he thinks are good. He has his own morality. Uh huh. He's the hero yeah, in his own story, just yes. like every other villain. Mm -hmm. Although I don't know who the villain is. We have a lot of potential villains at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Even among some of our oh, uh, also Scar had glasses heroes. that were foggy too. So <laughs> mm -hmm. just you know, more more on the glasses theory. Although it's not really a theory; it's a trope, <laughs> yes. I guess. <laughs> That's how mm -hmm. you know he's bad. Another way you know he's bad. Yeah, I like how the glasses are like like they serve a like practical purpose. Like he's obviously mm -hmm. trying to like hide his more identifying features. Mm -hmm. like, not the giant scar cool, on his like face. A bad guy. <laughs> the the things that make him uh, the things that make him uh, an an other in this scenario mm -hmm. right yeah so i do think it's interesting how they're like oh he's ishvalan halfway through mm -hmm. the fight and everybody kind of like pauses like they mm -hmm. look really yeah you concerned. can see like yeah it like really affects the like military members of the fight mm -hmm. like, i mean i think even ed and al to a certain i mean i guess they're in the military but mm -hmm. yeah i think like they seem like more surprised yeah and i think whereas like you can see like like Roy and Hawkeye and Armstrong all get this kind of like grim look yeah. on their face. Like, yeah. They look, like I said, concerned. It's not like yeah. they're like extra, even more scared or more scared or more, um, like, I don't know, something, some other emotion. Mm -hmm. Um, more scared or like less scared or like it's mm -hmm. concern. It's not, not a, yeah, yeah it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which then gets like somewhat explained by uh, Roy's brief history of the, Ishval yeah. situation. I think somewhat, but I still mm -hmm. think there's a little more to the yeah more to the mm -hmm. tale. I was gonna say that's another thing that's kind of like I kind of like respect of, out of Arakawa with like it's like seven chapters in. She's like, oh, here's one of my beloved main characters. By the way, he committed genocide. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, Roy is like, oh, by the way, I was there, and so was Armstrong yeah. in his memory. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. but that also gives some perspective to Roy because. Mm -hmm. He was talking about Ed. So, like, I one note that I made was about how Hawkeye... And, I mean, I always call Riza Hawkeye, Hawkeye, and Roy must mm -hmm. Roy for whatever reason. But yeah. um, Hawkeye, the reason why... I, or one thing I noted was how different Hawkeye and Roy treat Ed. So mm -hmm. Hawkeye is like, you know, like, you need to be a little nicer to him. He's still kind of a kid or whatever. And Roy's like, well, he'll learn. But it kind of mm -hmm. puts that part into perspective a little mm -hmm. bit more when you consider that he's been, you know, on the front lines as a fighter Mm -hmm. um, used as a human weapon, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think their whole yeah, I think their whole conversation makes a lot more sense after the little bit mm -hmm. of like Ishval reveal where they're talking about like people like us get used as human weapons because we're in the military mm -hmm. and yeah, and they're being so, like, well, that's you know how adults think, not a child. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of the things, and I, I don't know um, if this was just 
not reading it correct, but it seemed like the Civil War was the first time they used alchemists, uh, state alchemists for mm-hmm. combat. Mm-hmm. That's um, the way I interpreted it too. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's whether true or not. <laughs> I mean, I guess alchemy is, I think, a, a long-standing uh, science at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, it kind of feels like I don't think it's stated. At least I get at any point, but it's uh, it almost seems like the like military application of alchemy is relatively new, because mm-hmm. even like the uh, like the coal mine chapter where they're like talking about how like alchemists are supposed to you know work for the people, people. and that's their like motto, and so like you can't you know can't forgive people who sell their souls to the military and stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And it seems like, so I feel like that puts a state alchemist in a different perspective. Although we did get some explanation from shows, the chapter about Show Tucker, because he explains that the exam is for research funding. So he's not mm-hmm. in the military. He's just a registered alchemist. That's what it seems like, at least. Mm-hmm. There's a file on him, like in Roy's office. But, yeah, I think um... he's like technically in the military. I don't know if they'd send getting asked to war, but... <laughs> His glass is wearing ass. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I don't think his reason, his, uh, it seems like you can present different things in the state alchemy exam, mm-hmm. both from what I recall from reading this without spoiling anything. Yeah. And like he said specifically, he presented a human or a human, he presented a chimera that can speak mm-hmm. at, and that's how he got his license. That's how he got mm-hmm. his state licensure. But obviously like Roy can't do that. So it's not like it's standardized. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just say, like, present the results of your research. So mm-hmm. I could see that being, like, even if, like, it's not combat alchemy, the military could be like, we can use this. Like, yeah. I mean, oh, we medical, can make biological, yeah, medical, biological <laughs> alchemy would <laughs> have yeah, various uses in the military. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially if they're just like, we don't need human human warriors anymore. Like, send mm-hmm. in a bunch of chimeras. Yeah. Who understand human <laughs> speech. That'll work great they don't Uh have existential crises constantly (laughs) just go up to the enemy soldiers and be really eerie at them like Like, yeah i mean (laughs) it might work i mean like okay never mind i'm going home yeah Yeah. (laughs) i don't want to fight this war i'm done with this (laughs) i don't want to fight you and your creepy army of creeps like (laughs) you said there's no zombies in uh in fulman alchemist but i mean (laughs) it's not like they're brought back for the dead but they're they're just as creepy and sort Mm -hmm. of soulless like a zombie so yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe more like a Frankenstein. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Because there's like obviously some of like solace isn't the right word because there's obviously some of Nina still in there. In yes. The... Able to recognize people and want mm-hmm. to play. <laughs> yeah. Although Dongo probably want to play too. So. Mm-hmm. She still loves her awful dad. Yeah. Sadly. <laughs> yeah. Scar was like, "Ah, oh, I sent two souls to you." I'm like, you mean three? What about the dog? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's not what it meant, but in my mind I'm like, well, the two souls are obviously Nina and Alexander. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you're right. Sorry, you're right. You're yeah. right. Well, he sent um, two to Ishvala and two to whatever the hell yeah. version of is. Is actually yeah, Ishvala. Yeah. There's actually um, Araka has a, a part of the like Amakas at the end of the <laughs> volume. She has a little like in memoriam panel, which is just this tiny oh. little panel that shows oh, like characters yeah. that died going up to heaven, <laughs> oh, like with little angel yeah. wings and stuff. Which is um, like kind of funny and cute and like darkly humorous sometimes. Yes. Um, Show Tucker is the only character she ever shows burning in hell instead of going up to <laughs> oh, wow. up to heaven with little angel wings. 
maybe that is what he meant. Maybe he meant yeah, the it has dog little, and Nina. Yeah, you see Nina and Alexander rising up to heaven, and then like Show Tucker is like burning in hell underneath them. It's really funny. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was very because I haven't seen those. Um, I think I think the I show know. had. Uh, I I don't know if it was the same ones or similar ones. They would play mm-hmm. at the end of an episode, but uh, yeah, they had some that were like based off it. of. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they had some skip that... it. What are you doing? Because oh, no, it would autoplay to the next one, and so oh. it wasn't until like, the last season that I was like, "Wait, what? there's something at the end of this? What?" Oh yeah. no! So I yeah, missed some of them of... are like plot relevant too. So like, yeah. it's kind of annoying that it would skip past them. But um, but yeah. I was kind of surprised yeah. with just like because they're drawn very cutely, but how cute some of them are and how very serious the uh, the others are. It was just very mm-hmm. off putting. Mm. Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, not mm-hmm. is it not. It's um... yeah. It, What's that word where it's like something that you don't expect? Incongruous? Yes. Yeah, like that. Yeah, some of the uh, some of the anime omakes were based off of her original ones and some were original to the anime. Oh, interesting. So, um, mm. Yeah. I also respect the like uh, the ability to completely make fun of her own like serious stuff cuz a lot of times <laughs> you like look to the omakes at the end and it's just like completely making fun of something that just made you cry like 10 pages ago. <laughs> I um there's like a you know how like so in when in at and at the end they're like oh we're a mess but we're alive I'm like yeah we're alive and they're always i feel like every at least every once every episode that we've had there's been this message of like you gotta keep going mm-hmm. i feel like that's the part of arakawa's personality that like slips in like mm-hmm. clearly she's the kind of person who can see something challenging and then see the lighter side the humor in that i guess mm-hmm. because I don't know. Like that's kind yeah. of how I deal with things that are awful in life. So I kind of I feel like I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it connects with me personally. But yeah, mm-hmm. I just feel I was kind of like, who hurt you, Arakawa? Like, what's happening <laughs> here? You know, <laughs> yeah. literally every two or three chapters, it's like mm-hmm. we gotta keep moving forward. We're a mess, yeah. but we gotta keep going. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's something I really like about this series. Um, I like it. Like in chapters, especially, I like the re- like complete rejection of like self sacrifice as a noble thing. Mm-hmm. Like Al's like, shut the fuck up and get out of here. Like he's like. <laughs> Yeah. Don't give me that bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> like the idea that like instead of like sacrificing yourself nobly, you should like keep going and like do better things. Like mm-hmm. I even enjoy like um it's kind of tangentially related to that, but the way that like Roy Mustang like pretty much enables them to just like are they what are they even doing for the military? Like I guess they're doing their research, but mm-hmm. like what is Ed now doing? Like Mm-hmm. And other than stopping train hijackings they're yeah. like going around and figuring out how to restore their bodies so i guess they're playing it off as research but basically like roy mustang implied that he's been covering up for them mm-hmm. so it's it i don't know that's kind of interesting too it's like yeah. he's like no you have to keep he says to them when ed is super depressed like one loss of life is tragic but you have to keep going for you right mm-hmm. so it's interesting yeah that yes. was like three thoughts in one, but <laughs> yeah. it's interesting scene because he's like he's kind of being a dick to them, but he is like yeah. encouraging them at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where I got this from exactly. This this sort of I perception, I guess, that like Roy knows what their their goal is, right? It's it's to seek the philosopher's stone to fix their body, mm-hmm. and I think he often like sends them places and has an ulterior motive to send them there. Like, I feel like mm. he sent them to Lior because there was something going on and I, like, he didn't really tell them what it is, but they'll fix, they'll figure it out. They're on the train. Don't worry. They'll figure it out. Like, I, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I could be misremembering, but I feel like that happens more often 
and that he just sort of knows how to use them with by letting them just sort of do their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Could be maybe just guiding them where they need to go to sort of do. Yeah, that. in this chapter, mm-hmm. he or like in this uh, these series of chapters that we read, he specifically at least sent them in the direction of Show Tucker. Yeah, and maybe he had a suspicion that something was rotten in the state of Show Tucker's house. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, maybe not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He certainly played it off as being like, yeah, you can see this one guy or whatever, but mm-hmm. we don't know that much about Roy yet. Yeah, I think I think even this early on, you can say that like Roy plays things close to his chest, so it's hard mm-hmm. to necessarily gauge his own intentions and motivations. Mm-hmm. They have a professional relationship. Mm-hmm. A weird professional relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where he's like, you want to go restore your bodies? Question mark. That's what everybody does in their job, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it was interesting this time, speaking of, of Ed, and Al specifically, I guess. I thought it was interesting how the last couple chapters we read, Ed was super sassy. Like, all he did was be super sassy mm-hmm. and super, like, ostentatious with his transmutations and, like, showing mm-hmm. off his power and beating up the bad guys and stuff. But the thing with Nina really upset him. So I mm-hmm. feel like we got to see a very different side of Ed in this chapter. Yeah. Specifically. And he was kind of like, <laughs> you were talking about how they were, I can't remember, you made a joke about them being sad, having their sad discussion. And I was mm-hmm. calling it in my notes like their pity party, where they're like sitting yeah. <laughs> outside in the rain being like, I don't know about alchemy anymore. And then Al is like, I miss having a body. And they're all super sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we kind of, we got to see a different side of Ed and we got to see a different side of Al because also he was super mad at show Tucker also. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed with how uh, Arakawa can make a suit of armor have expressions, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> So angry. Yeah the, yeah, the amount of motion that we can get out of Al's armor is always really impressive. It is very impressive, yeah. Even it when never, she's not like, doing looks... like little chibi armors. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It never looks different, but it <clears throat> always has a different expression, which is very interesting. Like, I yeah. don't know how. It's very uh, mm-hmm. uh, skillful. Yeah. I guess. The use, yeah. The use of like light and shadows to sort of create expression on the armor, especially. Mm-hmm. His glowing, angry eyes. Mm hmm. Yeah, just the use of like light and shadow in general is something I like really appreciate in the series because I talked a, bit, a little bit about it in the first episode mm-hmm. about how she tends to use like like big chunks of like solid black or gray or white, mm-hmm. like not a lot of like little sketchy shading and stuff going on. It's a lot of like big solid chunks, and like during the the Tucker chapter, like the scene where they find him in the lab with like the just the solid dark shadows around and him, the eyes glowing. glowing. Yeah. It is. The sad chimera eyes glowing in the mm-hmm. glowing in the corner. You're like, oh no, oh no! Every time yeah. you get closer to the room, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it is really eerie. The whole both scenes with the chimeras in shadow is super eerie. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it's meant to be because it's creepy, but yeah, it's nice. So, so while going through these these uh, um, pages again, I noticed that most of them involving Xiao were really. There's something off about his expression and and the majority mm-hmm. of his depictions. Yeah. Which yeah, I don't know. I I guess I don't usually pay that much attention to the small details like that. But my goodness, they're just mm-hmm. really like powerful expressions and definitely convey a lot of something, whatever it is that they're trying to <laughs> like. Yeah. I mean, it it, it, yeah. it really gives a, off a, a sort of the I guess the tone that you're supposed to read what he's saying in right. Like, uh, mm-hmm. for example, one that stood out was when he says. I guess there really are geniuses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something like that, right? Like, you know, his eyes are sort of darkened again um, through the glasses. And yeah, geniuses really do exist. And he just has this look on his face like that's upsetting to him. Mm-hmm. 
right? And yeah. I and guess this is envious to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's just, I don't know. It's it's as someone who doesn't really read manga, it's, it's it's interesting to sort of see that and how that to go back and sort of really like analyze it. Mm-hmm. Know what I'm supposed to look for in the future, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's one thing I noticed this time. I was like, we were joking about the like you know evil glasses thing, which is kind of a trope in anime in manga, but like it's like very deliberately in the. Sh- Tucker chapter, you almost never see his eyes until after the reveal. Because, mm-hmm. like, even when you can see his eyes, he's, like, got him closed. Like, he's, like, smiling and his little, like, oh, I'm he's just an innocent, bumbling professor kind of thing. But then, like, after the reveal, you can see his eyes a lot, even before Ed, like, punches his glasses off. Like, mm-hmm. you start seeing his expression and it's, like, really cold and distant. He starts off with the nerdy glasses trope. Like, that's what you think it's going to be, right? Mm-hmm. Or we're led into thinking it's going to be, he's just a nerd and he has the crazy glasses and he's like, he's a cool dude. Nothing's wrong with him, right? Mm-hmm. We're, it's like, like, Arakawa specifically does this, I think, to make you, like, like Kazam, you're right. There's something wrong with his expression in everything. It makes you feel weird. You, you feel unsettled about him. And it's not clear why until mm-hmm. you, it's revealed that he's bad later in the chapter. But, I mean, it's kind of like you could be, it could be at the beginning, like, I feel like he's bad and then he turns out to be good. Or it could be like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm going to give him the benefit of doubt and then he turns out to be bad. Like, it makes it plays into that feeling that you have, I think, in real life of not being sure of a person when you meet them. Mm-hmm. There's something about the way she makes his expressions that does that, I think. Yeah. And the glasses. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're part of his expression when you can't see somebody's eyes. Yeah. It's always <laughs> genuous, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a trope for a reason. <laughs> Yeah, they're playing outside and he's like super desperate looking. That one was mm. like, oh no, he has a bad yeah. idea. And then he is like creepily proud when they come in. Like the way he seems like genuinely like shocked that Ed is so offended by this. It's like, yeah, like really eerie with him. Like, Well, this isn't the first time that somebody misread Ed's intentions with alchemy. Didn't Cornell, mm-hmm. wasn't Cornell like, uh, what do you want? Money, mm-hmm. power, whatever. Like yeah. this person, mm-hmm. like show is also like, you just do the same thing as me. You're just as uh, like you know wanting to push the boundaries as me which i don't think is necessarily true of ed and now mm-hmm. like we know that what we heard is that their intention is that they wanted to see their mother smile again and they wanted mm-hmm. to be reunited with her it doesn't necess- they seem to have sort of like this childish altruistic idea about what would happen if they were able to mm-hmm. successfully transmute a human body yeah whereas he definitely knows that this is what's going to happen because he's done it before yeah, and he's like, "This is to help advance science." It's like very, very cold mm-hmm. research in the end. Yeah. Well, just to add to to, I mean, I think in the coal mine too, um, mm. both the owner of the the shop and Lieutenant Yoki mm-hmm. both misjudged Ed's sort of motivation and and desire for alchemy and like all of that because I think Yoki also thought it was for money, power, that yeah. sort of thing, mm-hmm. influence, and then. Well, that's what um, he wants. So. Well, yeah, and then I think mm-hmm. the, the innkeeper and the other the other citizen people of the city yeah. townsfolk. Um, town, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I think they thought that his motivation was the same as Yoki's as well. Like that's what they know as an alchemist. Well, mm-hmm. not as a military, as a military. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. So, um, and yeah. one with even more status than Yoki, so it's like must be even worse, right? Mm-hmm. They were the ones who were saying alchemy's for the people too. So yeah, yeah. I do think it's interesting that, like, Tucker's accusation is, like, obviously wrong, but it does get under Ed's skin a little bit. Oh, yeah. And I think it's because that, like, the motivations are different, but part of the thought process might be the same. Because, like, when he says, like, like, you thought you could do it, so you did, it didn't matter if it was forbidden. Like, I think they, you know, he's even talking about it when he says, like, I thought I understood what my teacher said, but I was wrong because they're like, 
because you know they obviously want it for good reasons they want to you know bring people who died tragically that they miss back but it's like mm -hmm. they're like well why is it forbidden i think we can do this like yeah. it's still the same rule like you're still breaking the same rule yeah <laughs> but yeah but their teacher um like their teacher was just like you need to accept that this is a part of life and stuff like that mm -hmm. and they were like or do we like <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> so actually now that i think about it they came to tucker i mean i guess not necessarily to bring their their um mother back but to learn a little bit about human transmutation and how it could get at least their bodies back right they mm -hmm. wanted to sort of benefit from his research they were mm -hmm. hoping that, that they'd be able to learn something and you know maybe they're is something that they could have learned from this right mm -hmm. like i mean it is definitely advanced alchemy involving mm -hmm. humans it was right? a successful chimera was, yeah, the chimera yeah, was alive and not bleeding or exploding or anything <laughs> bad happening to it and it did have some sort of sense of personality yeah. or memory this one didn't even say it wanted to die no <laughs> yeah. i think the other one was an adult that had yeah. a <laughs> new kind of more what was happening i don't know it's, mm -hmm. we don't really get an age like beat on Nina or whatever but she mm -hmm. doesn't seem too unhappy to have been fused with a dog um <laughs> mm. yeah no the uh I feel like the wife was probably like what the hell like yeah. oh you're actually a terrible person that mm -hmm. only cares about scientific yeah. advancement mm -hmm. that's really so upsetting if you think about it like what yeah. happened to the wife I mean it's sort of like you pass by the whole like I want to die thing and you're like that's eerie and then like <laughs> keep going and then like it's part of the like reveal of what happened to Nina and Alexander which is more immediately oh, no. horrifying but when you think back on that you're like god damn <laughs> I know yeah it was horrifying the first time it's even more horrifying when you think about it yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so yeah no you're right he they probably could have learned something but is it the right thing like yeah not worth it <laughs> no it's not definitely not worth it and also like they have this sort of like little mini existential crisis where they're talking about what their teacher said and whatever and ed is like i don't know about alchemy i don't know about this thing like something mm -hmm. that can obviously be used to successfully combine your dog with your daughter mm -hmm. <laughs> or do you know other things like is it is it good like there's a whole, anyway it's a very interesting question there's mm -hmm. no answer in at this point in the series but yeah the power to create things i guess mm -hmm. le leaves you with a bit of uh i don't know hubris yeah <laughs> yeah well we've seen Which ed something... hubris a lot <laughs> yeah and he kind of even addresses it directly like mm -hmm. after um roy's um quote-unquote inspiring speech <laughs> when he's and he's just like we're not devils or gods we're just humans yeah he's like we're just trying to trying to their goal has never changed but i think he questions the morality of it i guess yeah speaking of that um <laughs> i think the concept of like humanity and being human yes. comes up a lot in these chapters 100 percent. yeah i think that's the like, kind of a thread that runs through it actually yeah like it's come up a little bit in the past but i think it's like really strong in these chapters like even from the very start when like Havoc mm -hmm. is talking about state alchemists to the other soldiers, and they're like, he can't be human about like yeah. what Ed can do. Like, he can't be. He's a <laughs> tiny <laughs> child. He can't have stuffed a bunch of hijackers using only yeah. alchemy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That that's reiterated in that scene where Ed is like, I'm like, show is like, we're the same. And he's like, no, I'm not like you. I'm a human. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's come up in like other chapters we talked about before, but mm -hmm. yeah. And it kind of comes up in the scene with the um, like, uh, lust, lust, gluttony, and envy where. The uh, the follow Cornella's follower calls him a monster, mm -hmm. he <laughs> and he's like, them. "I'm offended." <laughs> yeah. Well, they also talk about humans as being different. Like mm -hmm. they were taught. So 
they definitely have the appearance of being human, which is interesting, as far as mm-hmm. we can tell. And then Envy can change forms. But when they're looking down on all the chaos they've sown, they're like, humans are so easy to manipulate. Humans, this, mm-hmm. humans, that. Like, they're definitely talking about people like they're... Yeah. Like, they don't have... Like, some, the nature uh, of human beings, which is not them. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which is interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not Nothing to follow up on yet, but interesting to note. Um, they also talked about um, their failed mother's transmutation, saying mm-hmm. that whatever they created was not human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that Scar says that the chimera transmutation is irreversible mm-hmm. i don't think it's very clear why if if that's true or why that is but yeah like i don't know that does, it's kind of related to humanity but it's just interesting that he says there's no way to undo it i guess mm-hmm. i don't know yeah. well al I mean, kind I of implies they don't have the skill yeah. al says they don't have the skill now which implies he thinks they might be able to figure it out but it seems to not be something known yeah that people can do is reverse a chimera yeah yeah i mean the way i see it is you have two like separate liquids and you mix them together it's very easy to mix them together <laughs> put them together and make it yeah new that's a mixture but you can't really separate them very easily yeah that's mm-hmm. definitely a lot harder and i think that's always how i sort of thought of it is that they're just they're so connected you have to really mm-hmm. be careful on what you know, separating nina to nina and alex to alex mm-hmm. yeah you could end up with yeah, a, I mean, a people with a dog personality <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean even just looking i mean even just looking at the camera i mean it's like a very there's like aspects of both of them and like every feature like it's really creepy like, and like kind of something else like there's mm-hmm. a little something something in there that's not either of them like the dog yeah. the the animal body like it has this kind of like doggy snout but mm-hmm. the limbs are extended and stuff yeah. too like who knows what he did like who knows yeah. what <laughs> what was going on there mm-hmm. but yeah and then the hair obviously is kind of like the nina-esque hair and mm-hmm. Yeah, I just found the like the like elongated paws kind of unsettling. Like it's, it's like really halfway between like fingers and paw and like. I mean, maybe paws. that's why. Like, yeah. <laughs> and the dog, the back is extended, so it's like hunched. But maybe mm-hmm. it's like, I bet a person has a. People stand up, so they have kind of like a taller spine. I guess. Like yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. I'm not a. <laughs> I'm not a. <laughs> Chemical. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say not an animal expert, but yeah, I'm not a. I'm not an alchemist. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah like maybe that's also part of it too part of the shape is like those elongated limbs that like people humans have that dogs doggos don't have <laughs> yeah <laughs> doggos have short legs even big doggos like um like this one <laughs> yes <laughs> big fluffy dogs <laughs> i'm like what other dog did they have that he he transmuted with his wife before i need to know yeah <laughs> <laughs> or maybe i don't maybe, maybe it was some other maybe it was some other creature yes that's true. Scarf Always saw him like weird monkey out of his lab or something. Face in the shadows. Who knows what it was? Yeah, it had a similar sad face though. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I also looked up um, his nickname is the Sewing Life Alchemist. Mm-hmm. So I looked up what that is in in Japanese also because I'm always intrigued by these things. Mm-hmm. The um, which I think is like I think that translation is good or whatever. I don't have complaints. Not that I am an expert also on that. Mm-hmm. People who listen to our Fruitwood podcast will also know that I make a lot of statements that are completely unfounded. I mean, <laughs> um, so it's the Teimei and Kenjutsushi. Ren Kenjutsushi is um, alchemist. Yeah. So Teimei is like, Mei means life. For f- it also could mean like fate or destiny, which is kind of interesting. So it has an additional connotation, I guess, in different words of being like, like more than just like life, I think, which is kind of cool. And then Teimei. Te is like in a verb. It's used as like, sewing um or combining but also like 
composition which i think is kind of interesting so like actually creating something from nothing or bringing something together so it's kind of interesting i think it all makes sense it's kind of cool just to think about mm-hmm. it though yeah some of the um like alchemist nicknames are have some interesting like translations like mm-hmm. i know there's one later on that has like there's like a different translation a different version of it in like every translation i read until like <laughs> oh i can't wait they got like standardized <laughs> that means that i get to make my own right that's how it works yes. <laughs> But yeah, I thought it was a kind of an interesting. Is it interesting? Always interesting to look at the other things that like kanji are used in. So mm-hmm. that's what I learned today. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we learned more about the military this time too. We met a bunch of other new military yeah. peeps. Yep. I feel like we should talk about them. We should. <laughs> <laughs> Especially Armstrong and his yes. <laughs> yeah, we got. Um... Like, Havoc we've seen before, but he got a name this chapter. Mm. And then we got uh, Hughes and Armstrong. But nothing else about Havoc. Like, there wasn't really anything else about him. (laughs) He smokes and he's uh, a little sarcastic. He seems pretty cool. Like, a cool guy. Pretty chill, because he's like, yeah, whatever, alchemists do that. When (laughs) (laughs) When Roy shoots a giant fireball at uh, a ball. (laughs) He's like, yeah, 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 you haven't seen that before? (laughs) Good point. Well, I guess something else that they sort of establish is that Ed is kind of close with them right like towards the very end like oh he can't do alchemy and i think havoc is there with i think hawkeye is probably the only one that didn't it was mm-hmm. havoc hughes and, and mustang who started making fun of him so i mean i guess it shows that they're close enough <laughs> they're that hawkeye does a little bit she's the first there. one to say something actually <laughs> she's like, she's like oh yeah without an alchemy and then they're like yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, i guess so yeah they mm-hmm. seem to know each other it's very interesting yeah there's just, there's like a little like team that Roy has like there's some other there's some other military people we see that don't have names yet but we saw them in the previous chapter Mm -hmm. dealing with the train hijacking too with Roy Mm -hmm. and they're all like hanging out in that last scene I don't know if hanging out is the right word when they're (laughs) talking about how to deal with the serial killer in their town but um, about they were about yes but they're like hanging out and like some of them tease it and yeah they're all kind of familiar with each other (laughs) yeah but they're familiar in more than just like name Mm -hmm. like a lot of characters seem to know state alchemists because they're well known yeah but they have these pe- people all seem to have like personal relationships too mm-hmm. yeah so we met armstrong with his fists of alchemy mm-hmm. his gauntlets <laughs> of alchemy i was like how would you describe that it was like oh gauntlet kayla picked the right word yeah it is what it is <laughs> yeah it took me a minute i was like <laughs> it's like brass knuckles <laughs> yeah that's what i thought at first but then he <laughs> but sh- it... sees the front because like the first yeah. time you see it it's just like his knuckles that are showing mm-hmm. and then then later he like hold up his fists and you can see that they have like uh the alchemical symbols and stuff on them too mm-hmm. his technique like yeah like his tech his yeah his elegant uh, alchemical technique that's passed down the armstrong family for generations that's just really boxing um, with the alchemy gloves on yeah <laughs> it seems it's like, like, like how it's just like a combination of like alchemy and punching things yeah pretty much <laughs> i like how scar is like but your punches are too wide you know that cut deep i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he did have to take his shirt off to be more efficient obviously yes like how armstrong is also like has some pretty fancy footwork like they were mm-hmm. they're talking about how fast scar is but like armstrong like manages to back him into a corner and yeah, at least he was the only one who was able to do that yeah yeah ed and al just got trounced mm-hmm. as opposed to like bald and all the like you know lame hijackers from the last chapter this guy's mm-hmm. completely different he's on another level the people in the military all seemed kind of scared of him so mm-hmm. but yeah uh, armstrong was able to manage him the best i guess yeah hawkeye and the other, shot him in the face like, yeah i was gonna say was like, the other him. the other military people all seem like pretty competent too yeah. in this scene like they like are able to kind of like arrange a strategy and surround him and hawkeye is able to 
draw first blood. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, the, the east seems to be a very unsettled area, so I think you'd want your A-team out there if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the east of where we are. <laughs> mm -hmm. We did see Hughes, but he didn't seem... He, we didn't learn too much about him, mm -hmm. except that he was hiding to be able to tell the story. Yeah. He seems, like, knowledgeable. Yeah, yeah he's, um, he's, he's not like, an alchemist. He is... Yeah. Um... I was going to say he's the Xander, but he's not really the yeah. Xander, because he wasn't yeah. useless. He se <laughs> yeah, he seems, like, you know... <laughs> well, Xander's like, useless, but... Like, fairly logical and kind of irreverent about it. Mm -hmm. um, and he also seems to be friendly with Roy. Yeah, that's right. He like aside from careful. the, yeah, aside from the like you know really like playful way he like talks to him, mm -hmm. he also like tells him like you should lay low. I'm asking you as a friend. Mm -hmm. like, You're right about him kind of being sort of irreverent or whatever like he mm -hmm. when they he was like dude we're, we're, you're trying to get us to put a corpse on trial and then he like looks yeah. up the shit and he's like Ugh, anyway like kind of like, yeah like mm -hmm. it, <laughs> Didn't, yeah, but then he goes into, like, a really professional, like, analysis of like, yes. what Scar has been doing and everything. So it's like... Yeah, exactly. Like, he knows yeah. what he's doing, even if he's being silly about it. He's definitely knowledgeable about the case, yes. Mm -hmm. He's, like, following the killer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he was apparently brought out from Central along with Armstrong to, to deal with it, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were knowledgeable about Scar's presence before, I guess. Mm -hmm. Naming trivia... Ooh. Havoc is named after the Douglas A-20 Havoc, American medium bomber from World War II. Let's see a pick. Ooh, that's a nice plane. I don't know anything about <laughs> the military or planes, so. <laughs> sure looks like a World War II plane. It's a black and white photo, and it has a star mm -hmm. on it. Hughes is named after the Hughes H-4 Hercules, commonly known as the Spruce Goose. <gasps> the Spruce Goose! <laughs> I know that about that from The Simpsons, not <laughs> from anything else. Which is a prototype strategic airlift flying boat. Is it a boat or a plane? Developed by the Hughes Aircraft Company. It <laughs> appears to be a plane that can go in the water. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a big plane in the water, though, based on this like photo. There's another yeah. thing in the back. Of the <laughs> mm -hmm. Also from uh, shortly after World War II. Mm -hmm. In keeping with the theme from mm -hmm. of Arakawa's choosing. Yeah, most of them are from like World What's War One, World plane? War II era. Yeah. Uh, Armstrong is named after the Armstrong Whitworth AW38 Whitley. Right. He's a British. Twin engine frontline medium bomber. He also looks like a plane for anyone following yep. along at home. <laughs> kind of a funny looking plane though. It's kind of got a short tail. It's like, mm -hmm. you know how planes have, they have a, a long nose, like an elongated nose, and then they're kind of poof, poofy on the top by the nose, and then they're slimmer in the back. This one's more long like a hot dog. It's like consistently <laughs> wide. They're good descriptions. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Are they? Yeah. I hope everyone There's at home is imagining. <laughs> yeah. And then the tail's really short. Like, it's much shorter than I would have thought. And the wings are kind mm -hmm. of short, too, actually. Yeah. It's really There's long for a, how short yeah. it is, I guess. Yeah. There's also a uh, Armstrong gun from the uh, 1800s, but I think that's a less likely sort. <laughs> it's not from the time the, frame. Uh, the time frame, yeah. But that's another so. thing in the military called Armstrong. Cool. <laughs> So yeah, there's like your it. military uh, naming trivia. So the hot dog plane <laughs> and the water, the plane boat and the, what was the, the first one was a regular plane. Yeah, it was a bomber. Yeah, it, it looks like a regular plane where the yeah. nose is the way that I described it. It's got like a pointy mm -hmm. nose and then it's like yeah, thickest. It looks like, a, it looks like a plane you would see in a, a war propaganda For sure. film from from World War Two. It has a pointy nose you know, and then it has- war bonds and- Support our support our boys. <laughs> it has a thick cockpit and then the tail's thinner, like a regular plane like you would expect. Not like mm -hmm. this weird hot dog <laughs> RAF plane. Yeah. 
I hope everyone looks these up and then validates <laughs> my, my descriptions later. <laughs> yep. That's cool. Yeah. I also know, I know very little about uh, military craft. I'm just reading these off of Wikipedia. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we need to learn for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the first one that had the, um, the one that had the radar on it. And I was like the swirly thing on the top. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's good times. I'm sure this isn't a riveting for our listeners, too, who are obviously manga and anime nerds. Mm -hmm. Although I bet some are, anyway, you know, mm -hmm. street nerds, too. A crossover between Full Alchemist fans and uh, uh, World War military craft fans. <laughs> Could be high. There's a lot of military stuff in this. I feel like if mm -hmm. you're interested in one, you'd be interested, you might be interested in the other. Anyway. Yeah. I feel like if you were a anime fan who liked military craft you've probably read full monogamous i mean you definitely should <laughs> if you're listening now you definitely should continue <laughs> that i was just gonna say about continuing our theme of discussing with the military that we learned that mustang is useless in the rain <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like the way that uh hawkeye just like kicked him in the legs to get mm -hmm. him to stop which was great <laughs> yeah i love how it, like like she knocks him like right under scar's attack like yeah, pretty great perfect <laughs> like timing. you can see his hand like go over his head where he's it was like, a huh? second ago yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's wonderful mm -hmm. so he has special sparky gloves it no he just said uh, havoc just said that there's there's too much moisture in the air for him to control yeah so he like, can't make yeah he can't make sparks like in yeah. the in the rain so. his gloves gotta be dry mm -hmm. his weakness yes <laughs> it's his um what do they call it the like greek name for their like tragic flaw <laughs> Achilles heel yeah sure whatever <laughs> oh, i love how you can see him like moping after being called useless <laughs> and then later in the fight there's a little author's note that says like he recovered finally recovered yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. i forget where it is it's mm -hmm. like partway during the fight <laughs> yeah and we learned if we didn't know already that hawkeye is extremely efficient <laughs> yeah it's pretty great Mm -hmm. You can tell because of her ponytail that she's efficient. Only yeah. people who are efficient wear ponytails, obviously. Mm -hmm. This is just like a trope, like a glasses trope. Yes. I'm also wearing a ponytail today, so obviously you know that I'm efficient. <laughs> it's like, well, that's just not true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's, it's true that it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, we, I forgot. There's something I wanted to say about Lust Envy and Gluttony that we talked about before. Mm -hmm. That's I feel like it's important. They said that Ed is their human sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Or was it Roy? I think it's Ed, though. I mean, it's implied. They're like, oh, the Full Metal Punk is there. Yeah, I think they're talking directly about Ed, but they seem concerned that Roy is also in the same place they as do a serial seem killer. Concerned. So, mm -hmm. At this point, it's just kind of like intriguing. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't know if this is like if this is considered a spoiler. It's a very small one, but at least from my memory of the anime, I don't remember that really being significant until. Like for for a very long period of time, like I don't remember them bringing that up. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't know if yeah, will do that as well, or if um, yeah, it's one of those things. I'm like surprised how early it comes up when I whenever yeah. you read the manga. Like, mm. like I was saying uh, in an earlier episode that like I don't know if you kept it or if we cut it because we might have been talking slightly spoilery, but like like there's a lot that like like you can tell this story is like planned fully in advance, and For there's sure. a lot that comes up early on that pays off much much later mm. um yeah it i wouldn't be surprised it, if it, yeah, it benefits from rereads a lot <laughs> yeah i wouldn't be surprised i mean it's it's something that i feel like you could miss like in this dialogue it's literally just like one thing but i feel like to say the word mm, human yeah. sacrifice in the context of all of this talk about like people bringing people back to life and 
yeah and in rebirth and stuff like that it's like okay like mm-hmm. <laughs> and obviously like ed and al are in a special circumstance where al is a soul in a suit of armor so something happened and they say that ed he says that it uh i'm just trying to figure out how to explain this in a non-spoiler way there was a it, there's been talk about how ed had to do something special to get al's soul into the suit of armor right mm-hmm. like so it I mean, yeah, he says that he's the only one who knows how to how to work it. So. Yeah, and I feel like there was something before where they just talked about how it was like they they made he made a deal to get Al's soul back. So like, mm-hmm. made a deal with who? Like, they're obviously there's something special about them specifically. So the fact that mm-hmm. these like people, yeah, yeah, are, he says like I know in that scene he says something about how like that's all I could get for one arm, but I yeah, can't remember, I remember if it's like... in this version of the flashback or if it's in a later <laughs> version of the flashback. Yeah, when they're first talking, yeah, we see the flashback in the beginning of chapter two, and he says, "Sorry, all I could get for one arm was your soul." Right. So yeah, so he they they made yeah because I remember we talked about how it was like a deal, like is an arm worth a soul? Where we had bantered about yeah. this too. It's like so yeah, so there's something special about Ed and Al. So I'm not surprised that these like mysterious people are somehow mm-hmm. connected to them or looking for them, but it's not yeah. really clear what that means at this point. So. Yeah. But I felt like it was important. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I did a good job, right? <laughs> yes. Definitely a, uh, a remember that for later. Yeah. Let's do that for like, I'm sure it's going to be 50 chapters from now, though, at least. Because yeah. that's, a, that's the, they're clearly like. They're playing they're, a long game yes, compared to long, what's happening right now in the series. <laughs> all of these yeah. people that we've met so far, every two or three chapters, they get dealt with. This is like the monster of the week part of the story where there's like bad you know, Ed and I'll go and fix something in some place every couple chapters mm-hmm. like that. I assume that that's going to happen for a bit because it's a story, because it's a manga. But yeah, clearly mm-hmm. these like the seven deadly sin named people are going to be involved in something longer term because they only pop yeah. up every couple chapters. I can tell. I've read some <laughs> things. Listen. <laughs> and also now we have Scar in the mix too, who's obviously more of a long-term villain since he disappeared into the sewer like the Phantom of the Opera at the end of this one. <laughs> yes. so. <laughs> it's like this will be my chandelier scene. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Played in the background as he escaped. There was a light a scream. Um, <laughs> we made our uh, obligatory uh, musical, musical reference. reference. <laughs> yes. Did we talk about just like the Ishval war at all? They say that he's Ishval, and oh, we talked about how he, yeah. how he, uh, they all kind of reacted to seeing him. That the mm. Ishvalans have red eyes. It's implied that he's one of the last of the Ishvalans. That's what Roy says. Yeah. And that there was a civil war that was started by the mil- an incident with the military, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. I also noticed yeah. on the map that Ishval seems to be very small. So, like, if you look at on, on the map that's shown, mm-hmm. it's, like, this very small area within the rest of the map. And then it's implied there's, like, more other places, right? So, yeah. they seem to be this, like, minority, small minority group in the story, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. It's, like, within the country but kind of its own thing it looks like it's like yeah. marked out on the map and they call it a civil war which implies that they are it's part of citizens the of the same country yeah mm-hmm. you can but also see you yeah, you can also see use well and you obtain on that map Ooh, <laughs> it's everywhere you've been <laughs> it's like the map in lord of the lord of the rings book where you're like oh mm-hmm. that's where they are now <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's um but yeah it just it struck me how small of a place it was like they're clearly the underdog mm-hmm. and i think that also 
reinforces the idea of them being like the other and treated differently and same with like their description yeah. of scars having like dark skin and red eyes he physically looks different than the rest of them too so mm-hmm. although they couldn't tell about his dark skin before he took off his glasses but whatever his lesson yeah, yeah that always <laughs> well, it seems like the like a little strange. <laughs> it seems like the red eyes specifically are kind of the like ethnic marker of the ishvalans mm-hmm. like like there's other dark-skinned people who don't have red eyes and aren't ishvalan okay. yeah that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah that's what i would hope at least mm-hmm. but i don't yeah. we have, have we seen them yet am i just blind uh, I don't know. We might have seen some in the background. Maybe. But, mm-hmm. but that's the implication I get from them like, reacting specifically to the when glasses. his glasses come off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. He, I think he does it on, he wears them on purpose so people don't see his eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a couple like specific visual things. Cosm, when yes. we started our, and everybody else, when we started our Freeze Basket podcast, I specifically said that something, because I do the same thing as you, I think, where when normally when i read manga myself not for podcasting i just like mostly focus on the dialogue and don't look at the visuals a lot unless it's like a you know like a full spread or something like that but i made a commitment to looking specifically for visual things <laughs> that i think are interesting so we already talked about all the creepy stuff but we talked briefly earlier about shadow and how arakawa uses like really stark contrasting shadow but i thought some of the line mm-hmm. texture was really interesting in this chapter too like you can see and more so it's just more like to comment on how pretty and nice it is but mm-hmm. the, um the like rain scenes there's all these really thin lines and you can see like where ed is sitting on the steps there's like little cracks in the steps like arakawa is very good at not only just using those super thick swatches or swashes of of shading but also very thin detailed line work too which i thought really stood out in this chapter which was nice Mm-hmm. This is basically just a like yeah. props comment. It mm-hmm. was just really cute. It's really yeah. really yeah. Nice. I noticed that specifically too on the um on that really nice page where you get the three cut panels of Ed's face, Al's face, and Tucker's face. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of little like crack detail on Al's armor in mm-hmm. that close up. <laughs> yeah, obviously it's not gonna be drawn for like every single mm-hmm. uh, panel, but I felt like we got some nice. Yeah, actually, you can see it in the same scene I was talking about where they're sitting on the steps too on Al's armor. Mm-hmm. You can tell it's kind of like well worn. Yeah. And Ed's face when Scar shows up and he's scared. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like lines on his eyes. You can see like how wide his eyes are and how scared he is. Yeah. His grimace. Always the lightning texture that we see over and over again before transmuting. I mm-hmm. thought that speaking of um, transmuting, this actually it's not really that related, except that we're talking about the uh, Seven Deadly Sins people. I thought that Lust's creepy smile was so creepy. Her smile mm-hmm. is so wide. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. Let's pull it up and look at it. Everybody find your book. Turn to page whatever. <laughs> it was in the beginning of the second chapter, I think, when they're talking. So she has like a normal expression. And then when Cornello comes in the full metal edition, it actually is a page number. So it's 241 mm-hmm. for everybody who's following along at home. Yeah. And she smiles and it's like a freaking like Black Dahlia smile. Like it's so mm-hmm. creepy and wide. It's, yeah, like, it's like unnatural. Like, yeah, it's just like a little inhuman. Yeah. Like- <laughs> Mm-hmm. someone who's trying to be human mm-hmm. i always think those are interesting with lust because like she seems fairly like sedate as a character yeah like she doesn't like react very strongly to things but every once in a while you get those like wide creepy grins and stuff it's really it's like, unsettling Ooh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> she had kind of a wide smile too when she like killed cornello in the oh, early chapters too to look at that again mm-hmm. but yeah just in profile it was so so much yeah <laughs> Especially when, like, her expression in the panel literally right next to it is, like, normal. Like, normal mm-hmm. lips. Something I noticed yeah. that really freaked me out. On top of everything else that freaky that happened in these chapters. Mm-hmm. 
I also like the choice to use the color page as the dream. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just um no, there's color pages at every chapter. No, I think it's probably every couple. I don't know. Whatever. This mm-hmm. one that one chapter has a color page, which I think is just part of the like, you know, production process. Like sometimes they have color pages and sometimes they don't. Yeah. And I think like choosing to do that at the beginning of the yeah, chapter. I think it's the um mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's the beginning of the original like second, second volume. volume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the first one on this one is uh, there's no color page. Mm-hmm. There's a color spread, but there's... there's no color page for the chapter. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Sometimes it's just, like just the like chapter title opening. Yeah, and like at the beginning of volume one, you get that color page with the flashback of right. the human transmutation. You know, Same get the nice splash of blood to start off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We gotta start with child blood and dismemberment, obviously. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just thought that was kind of interesting. It especially makes it interesting because then halfway through the dream. It's not exactly when it becomes a nightmare because it's only one page that's in color, but I think it kind mm-hmm. of like adds the effect of it being like it's a normal like dream, cool dream, and then halfway mm-hmm. through it's like, oh no, it's not. It's a terrible, yeah. horrifying nightmare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I yeah, enjoyed that a, too. Choice too. Yeah, it's a nice effect you get from the um the collector's oh, edition that you don't get from the original publishing because oh yeah, probably they didn't they, have color pages. Yeah, they made it black and white Those for cost reasons. <laughs> yeah, it's expensive. These uh, yeah. I highly recommend these like full metal editions if you are if you're the kind of person who buys manga for yourself. Like they're real nice. They're real real mm. nice. The second volume was just as nice because we transitioned over into the second volume during this yep. uh, this episode. Mm-hmm. I think I talked about everything else. I already talked about how you could kind of see in scars transmutations you see it's like partly transmuted and then partly like exploded like it's partly mm-hmm. just fallen apart ed's arm right yeah um, so that's kind of cool that's pretty much it those are all the things we haven't talked about that i noticed though mm-hmm. we talked about how expressive al's face is which i think is very important and interesting yeah and ed's crying face mm-hmm. i liked how in this yeah. chapter we so we talked about how gaudy ed's transmutations are but also armstrong's mm-hmm. are too which is really funny yeah <laughs> i like it let's see elegant alchemical technique yeah elegant is one way to describe it. <laughs> yeah i feel like uh chapters where armstrong show up are going to be like chapters where ayame showed up where it's like all right i gotta get ready for this yeah. uh, dramatic voice acting <laughs> yeah it's like ayame yeah exactly <laughs> he's the ayame of this series in terms of like um being that uh amount of levity that's needed sometimes i think mm-hmm. yeah i started off like kind of reading it normal and i was like no this isn't gonna work no, no, <laughs> so- no. He's definitely screaming the whole time, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> the proper level of bombast. <laughs> Somebody has to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Ed, it's sass, and with Armstrong, it's bombast. Yes. Yeah. I love how, like, you even see, <laughs> speaking of the levity, it's, like, the one panel after he, like, finishes his whole speech, and he's, um, you know, everyone's like, why did he take his shirt off? He's, like, in a spotlight, and even Scar looks yes! confused. <laughs> <laughs> like, even Scar pauses to have to be like, what the hell? Like, it's yeah. Really he has like a little dot 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 um uh, yeah. next to him. <laughs> yeah. It is great. I appreciate that about Arakawa. It's a sense of sarcasm yeah. that really comes through in the Yeah. But then like how quickly it goes back to being serious, because then like right after that is Armstrong like pointing out the scars using alchemy and all of that. Like, yep. <laughs> Somebody had to do it and it was Armstrong. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, something else that did stand out to me uh was towards the end of chapter seven. Uh, I think it's Hughes that says that um he doesn't care about what other people think, and that makes him terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody and says then, that during their conversation. I can't remember which one of them it is. Yeah, I think it's Hughes who yeah. says that. And then, like, and Roy then responds Roy that they can't afford to care either. Yeah. yeah. Roy basically says the same thing that, you know, I don't care what people think about us. We have to survive, too. Mm-hmm. And I don't... 
I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts about that other than maybe something that we want to keep an eye on. I mean, they did sort of talk about how Tucker and, and Ed are very similar. You know, they have motivations and that, you know, yeah. they did what they were. And I wonder if they're going to try and do more to sort of bring Scar and Mustang closer together. Maybe. Mm-hmm. They could be good foils. Yeah. In yeah, a way, I, I don't know. Definitely, yeah. yeah, I think you can definitely see that as a specific like drawing a connection there and we know that roy was involved in the war so i assume there's going to be some trauma from that too Mm -hmm. it's kind of similar to his like hardened attitude that he gives to ed too when he talks about Mm -hmm. that it's like it doesn't we need to not care we need to protect ourselves yeah so and same with like Mm -hmm. yeah it's similar i think maybe it's just like kind of part of his personality but Mm -hmm. i could see his steadfastness being compared to scar's steadfastness about what's right and wrong you know Mm -hmm. yeah I also think his specific phrasing of like we can't afford to die yet is interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's only this is the first time. So they mentioned it was mentioned earlier in the series that there was like unrest in the east, but this is the first time mm-hmm. we actually heard about the civil war and like heard about what's going on. And yeah. we know there's a huge like military presence. It seems like everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like this is an outpost. This isn't even like the main like military you know like not office mm-hmm. or whatever but they keep talking yeah. about the headquarters and central city and stuff too so yeah and like if you do the the math the all the issue stuff was not very long ago they said the incident that started it was 13 years ago mm-hmm. and then after seven years they signed the you know genocide order basically mm-hmm. which is like i mean well within ed and al's lifetime and yeah that's young. how they can lie like, about ed's arms and yeah. arm and leg being lost yeah. in the in the mm-hmm. war I guess most people don't even know about Al because he's not registered with the state like yeah. Ed is. So. Yeah, he just looks like he's wearing armor. So. Yeah. <laughs> he just looks like a weirdo that wears armor all the time. Yes. <laughs> Which I guess if you theoretically were living with your brother were traumatized by war, maybe it's something you can... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's an explanation. Yeah, they're probably just like, let's let's not ask about it. He's yeah. sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> he's clearly sensitive. He's hiding in a suit of armor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think at least in the anime it comes up once and he's like, it's a uh, training. Yeah, training. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. I like it. Um, it's a good excuse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's true. It So yeah, maybe... I'm sure we'll see more about Roy's past at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it would be interesting if they were uh, characters that could be connected thematically. Mm-hmm. One thing I just remember that I wanted to comment on is like you talked about Ellen early on about like the difference in how and how Roy and Hawkeye like treat Ed. Mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting because like i feel like um hawkeye seems more like outwardly kind of cold like in her yeah sort of behavior and attitude but she's fairly gentle with like ed like you even see her like at she the end toward the end of the chapter she puts her coat over ed's shoulder and mm-hmm. everything yeah and also her like steadfastly refusing to let them come to the crime scene she's yeah. like you don't need to see this that like, definitely would have tormented them for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's something kind of like i was like i think i meant mentioned this during our fruits basket podcast it's like when when kids get treated like kids mm-hmm. like not in a like condescending way but in a like they're children you should take care of them kind mm-hmm. of way it's like i kind of appreciate like hawkeye being like no you don't need to see this and yeah just like kind of being a little more gentle without being like you know condescending like oh you silly kids kind yeah. of thing she's definitely not condescending <laughs> but she is very she's very kind to them but also to roy like she was like you're like walking into a stupid situation and then like yeah away too. so she kind of like uses her mm-hmm. you know uses her power and her abilities to protect people even when they mm-hmm. are make their own dumb decisions which is kind of nice yes. at least that's what we've seen so far so 
<laughs> and yeah, and then in Ed and Al's case, I mean, they were attacked. So then she goes, she's um, there also taking care of them after, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah. Treating them like kiddos who got attacked by a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. No big it's deal. Like, it's like, seriously, it's like someone pat these kids on the shoulder. I know. Like, seriously. She's like, what are y'all doing just standing around? Yeah. <laughs> Give them a head pad at least. Jeez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> someone get this kid a coat. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, that was nice. I like Hawkeye mm-hmm. as a character a lot. I'm excited to see her more. Mm-hmm. I'm also secretly excited for the mechanic, but we'll see <laughs> next time. <laughs> I like how ominously Anybody? he phrases that too. Where he's like, "I guess I got yeah. to see my mechanic." <laughs> so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's a very dramatic ending. Yeah, it is. <laughs> talking about sort of um, Hawkeye treating them as kids, I think um, when they discover what happened with Nina, aren't they also upset sitting somewhere and they walk by, and I think Hawkeye says something as well. Let's see, I think I found it. Yeah, I don't think she says anything oh, to, to the boys, but she says to Roy, are, yeah. Even though Edward acts older than his years, he's still a child. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she didn't say that to them, uh, but yeah, like... Yeah. She but thinks I, that I mean, about it them. goes in line of... Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah, and like, talking about how, like, she refuses to let them, like, come to the crime scene, but she also, like, tells them exactly what happened, because she says, like, you'd find out even if we tried to hide it, so I might as well tell you now. Like, yeah. Yeah, she treats them, like, frankly, but respectfully... And mm-hmm. kindly, yeah. kindly, but yeah, it's like she doesn't. Yeah, it's like she doesn't talk down to them, but she knows that they are like young teenagers. Like, <laughs> yes, she has a good sense of empathy. She under she has like or what is it? Uh, good emotional intelligence. She could tell they're really mm-hmm. upset about it, and also is like, yeah, I think I'm going to like. I think you should be protected from this thing. Whereas Roy is kind of like, no, you got to learn. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't think Roy has good intentions too. Also, it's not like he's trying to be like, yeah. I'm gonna harden yeah. you up. It's like. Mm-hmm. he's kind of i think his approach is just like you know the world is shitty and like you're on this quest to do this thing you're and mm-hmm. you're in the military you made this decision so now you have to live with it and part of that is like dealing with this crime but you know yeah. whatever but there's mm-hmm. their special case they're orphans <laughs> like come on yeah. <laughs> come on man <laughs> they're not like a like grown men like you <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, it was very interesting. Yeah. And like that, like, neither one of them is, like, shown to be, like, objectively right or wrong in how they, like, handle that. Yeah. Like, I think this uh, uh, series has a lot of gray area that everybody plays yeah, in, which is not like he, discussion. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it's not like Roy's, like, words, like, immediately inspire and snap Ed now back into it. It's like, they're still like, shut up, dude, for, yeah. <laughs> like, hanging out in the rain for a while. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and Reese is kind of like, it's not like she's like, you're wrong. She's just like... I don't know. Yeah, she doesn't that. say he's wrong. She's like, that's an adult's logic. And yeah. like, you can't expect that from them necessarily at this yeah. point. They're going to be upset about it. Yeah, because they think like children. Mm-hmm. They felt responsible for failing to recognize what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then also also not being able to reverse it. Yeah. Whereas Roy's kind of like, shit happens. <laughs> like, that's kind of <laughs> at least what it seems like in this uh, this event that happened. <laughs> it all makes sense. <laughs> okay i got nothing else pressing to say all good then yeah. <laughs> covered all the covered all the major points how was your first first um podcast recording it was really fun i really enjoyed it <laughs> um again this is one of my favorite medias of all all time nice. like at least mm-hmm. the anime has been my favorite i haven't found anything close even mm-hmm. yeah. um and so 
going over through the manga is very nice. And it was just having someone to talk to <laughs> about all this. Because, I mean, my, my brother's a big fan. I talk with him sometimes. But it's never enough. <laughs> well, guess what? Just, yes. <laughs> so many hours to come. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, it's a, I'm the same. Like, Full Alchemist is one of my favorite, like, the manga of Full Alchemist is one of my favorite pieces of fiction, like, out of, like, anything. So I love it. Love the chance to revisit it and talk about it. I think it's good. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun. You're like, so far, I'm in. Yeah. I mean, for Travis Memberment, <laughs> yes. Um, I've mentioned that I've watched it several times, but it's been a while. And I've been doing that intentionally to sort of, like, wait and just, like, kind of have, have some separation from the last time. So I, you know, kind of forget mm-hmm. and all that and so i was thinking about maybe watching the show as i read it mm-hmm. um like read you know read a few chapters watch the episodes that correlate with it i haven't decided mm-hmm. if i'm gonna do that or not but like oh it's so good it's like, <laughs> i, I want to watch more i want to i want to <laughs> see it again more. and yeah mm-hmm. good so. i'm glad well, good. Now you're locked in for the yes. rest of for the next whatever year and a half or however long we'll be reading it. <laughs> Hundred chapters. Yeah, sounds like a good time. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. Well, thank you all for listening. Yes. Thank uh, you. Join us next week. We will be reading chapters eight and nine. Woo! Yay! Mm. Gonna go. Gonna go see the mechanic. All right. Oh, is it gonna be sad? <laughs> Should I be warned in advance? I mean. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to promise anything won't be said in <laughs> Full of Us. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. pieces are getting that way as if they'd been blown apart from the inside <laughs> your noises are cute but they're too close to the microphone <laughs> you did train him to speak human words obviously yeah <laughs> it's like wanna play <laughs> <laughs> it's all horrifying everything is horrifying <laughs>